Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The only upside to very, very windy Irish weather is that it uh, proves brilliant with regards to generating electricity. So there's a story in the mirror this morning that says three storms last month helped wind turbines to uh, meet more than half of the country's energy demands. So if we produce nearly half of our own energy, why was it so bloody expensive? So Dudley, Eunice and Franklin make the papers today. Huge damage with the gales of up to 140 kilometres an hour, but it gave us 53% of our energy needs. You would think it would be cheaper because of that, wouldn't you? You couldn't make this stuff up. Uh, Many of the papers this morning deal with the uh, man who reversed his truck into the gates of the Russian embassy. And that's why the pun on the Beatles song, Back in the USSR, uh, is being rolled around this morning on social media and indeed in the newspapers, like the front page of the Star has that, back into the USSR. He reversed his truck into the embassy. The gates gave way and he said, when he was asked, he was asked by a guard actually, listen, would you mind jumping into the back of the squad car? Unfortunately, I have to arrest you. Uh, He said uh, that uh, he was just doing his contribution and creating a safe passage for the Russian ambassador to leave Ireland. Meanwhile, thousands of people in Ireland are are vowing to house refugees, about two and a half thousand pledges to take fleeing Ukrainians is a story in the examiner this morning uh, nearly 2 million now have left Ukraine and about 2,000 people fleeing the war many with families here have landed in Ireland so far and thousands more expected to come in the coming days so we have about 1,800 already here in Ireland uh, and on one day alone the last figures I have for Sunday 486 arrived uh, and they're increasing day by day meanwhile uh, the devastation in Ukraine, Ukraine is some Sometimes even too shocking to watch on television, never mind to read the stories in the newspapers. One that really moved me this morning was the story in the Times UK of Russian soldiers who shot dead a 10-year-old girl in a village near Kiev uh, after they got drunk. Uh, they heard a gun go off and began firing at random, apparently, uh, and the 10-year-old girl was shot and killed. In fact, the soldiers then refused to allow her mother Uh, to go to the cemetery with her daughter's body and she was buried in the yard instead. It's so sad. And then within one of the Kiev bunkers, there's a little princess um, known as Amelia, her name is Amelia, and she sang Frozen, obviously in Ukrainian, um, and she sang Frozen to the rest of those inside in the bunker. Um, I suppose she, she was trying to raise their spirits, but for me it was a very defiant thing and it was captured on social media and, uh, you know, I'm talking about Frozen uh, from the uh, from the, the Disney movie. Story goes, the little girl had a defiant message for Putin while sheltering uh, from Russian bombs by singing Let It Go uh, from Frozen. Papers also today, of course, talk of much of the aid that's going out of Ireland and, of course, Cork people have not been found wanting in this and we'll check in with our our two trucks, uh, the truck and the van that's uh, heading towards the Polish-Ukrainian um, border in a few minutes' time. But Katrina Toomey makes many of the papers. She was on the air with me yesterday. She's got 13 tonnes of medical supplies and aid, not just on her own, because she'd hate me to say that it was just about her. It's a big, huge initiative, actually, behind it. And all of it centred around the North Cathedral, which was the hub, and Seamus was up there yesterday. But thousands are fleeing. Uh, and, of course, these escape corridors that have been put in place by the Russians leave a lot to be desired, to be honest with you. I don't know how serious they are about it, because a lot of those uh, escape corridors to safety lead directly into Russia, apparently. So that's the story. Uh, and I'll come back to it a little later on this morning. One or two of the up. Opt- 
update, actually, that are of interest is that um, they're saying now that uh, Ukrainian refugees who come here probably will get a PPS number, probably will also get uh, income support, probably will get child benefit as well under plans being discussed by Cabinet. The point being, if they didn't, how would they survive here? Uh, And of course, up to 100,000 could make their way to Ireland. So we need to, they're saying at government level, uh, organise immediate access to social protection in some form of financial support. Uh, Meanwhile, here in Ireland, for the rest of us, with regards to the cost of living, that crisis goes from bad to worse. And one of the ways, of course, it could be alleviated, and we spoke about this on the air yesterday, was cutting excise duty and VAT uh, on fuel costs, for instance. Uh, but the cost of living crisis dominates the front of the echo. But a very disturbing story uh, from Noel Baker in the Examiner this morning comes out of the Direct Provision Centre at Ashburn House in Glanton, where it is now feared that a 54-year-old South African woman whose first name was Paulina may have been dead in her room for a number of days, despite a suggestion that the staff did look into the room on one or two occasions and concluded when they looked in that she was actually asleep. Uh, The uh, worry now is that, the fear now, is that she was actually dead for a number of days. Uh, And that's caused an awful lot of upset and shock, obviously, with other residents down there. In fact, I think we're all quite shocked with a story like that. Woman lay dead in direct provision centre for four days. Uh, Papers are also talking about um, uh, another mother and father. Uh, They say in the papers this morning that they're originally from North Africa. And the only reason I mention that is they've been living here since I think about 2019. But they thought, apparently, or at least said in court, that their daughter was possessed by the devil. And they um, engaged in savage abuse against their little daughter, um, leaving her with a catastrophic brain injury. They've both been jailed now for 14 years. I mean, they got a right hefty jail sentence for it, for what they did to their nine-year-old daughter. Now, social services eventually got involved, and clearly then, so did the Gardaí, and that's why it was Dublin Circuit Criminal Court yesterday. But when she was nine, she was regularly punched, beaten with a belt and a stick, choked, bitten, badly burned all over her body, at uh, the hands of her two parents. The other children testified against them at the trial last year. Now, the girl herself has been taken into care, but she can no longer walk. She can no longer talk. And she can no longer sit independently since the brain injury, in the sense that she can't be left alone. Apparently, the jury heard that the father told a detective from the Gardaí that he carried out a ritual to get the devil out of her body. Um, and I hate mentioning um, something as horrific as this at this hour of the morning and as savage as this, But on one occasion, her mother forced her hand onto a hot stove as she screamed in pain before binding her hands and feet and burning her with a hot knife. I mean, it's just barbaric. Papers also this morning talk, of course, uh, with regards to topics that we dealt with as to why landlords are leaving the market in their thousands. And I will come back to this. Um, There's been over five and a half thousand eviction notices now from landlords to tenants saying one thing. I'm selling up, I'm getting out. Now, one would hope that if that was the case, that they actually do that. Sometimes it's used as a bit of a yarn. But the papers also this morning talk uh, about, um, you know, other people involved in uh, COVID throughout the course of the last two years whose family member died in healthcare settings. The Independent this morning says that the families of healthcare workers who died at, of COVID what, and having contracted COVID in the workplace, which would be within healthcare settings, families will get 100,000 euro from the state. And, and you know, 
I hate going for something as serious as that, but, you know, there are other kind of COVID-related stories of the past couple of years that we may have forgotten about, including banana bread. Everyone was making it. Oh, my God. I don't think I ever ate so much banana bread. It was coming at me from left, right, front and back. But apparently, baking items or the ingredients for baking have plummeted. Um, People just... (laughs) People just aren't baking as much as they were during COVID. And, of course, the reason being the end of lockdown and people getting back to their old-style life. And then, being International Women's Day, there are quite a number of stories in the papers this morning. I wouldn't do it justice now by just flicking through them, but I will come back to them throughout the course of the morning. But one that makes the mirror this morning says that uh, women are missing out on key roles in business, where they're saying that almost one in five businesses has no women in senior management but most hope that new hybrid work models will open up greater opportunities. Why? Because one third of women have thought about quitting their jobs because of burnout or finding it impossible to juggle career and family responsibilities at the same time. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. And I'm really following the Ed Sheeran story. Perhaps you are as well. Did he or did he not plagiarize the song of Sam Chokri and Ross O'Donoghue, the song Oh My, which they released two years prior to uh, Ed Sheeran's mammoth 2017 hit, The Shape of You. Um, His royalties are frozen now on this because of the court case. But bizarrely, he said recently in his court case in defense that he couldn't have stolen anything from anyone because he never heard their track online, because he never used social media, and he owned a Tesco flip phone. So this is interesting news for us, that if if, if you are a millionaire or a billionaire, and you want to be cool, don't have a smartphone. Don't have the dearest phone available in the marketplace. Just go in and get yourself a pay-as-you-go Tesco flip phone. It's cool and it's hip. The Neil Prenderville Show. Directly to our phone lines we go. I am following Paddy Toomey uh, driving the uh, Arctic with his co-pilot Thomas Hughes. I'm also keeping an eye on the other two drivers, Paddy's sons Kevin and Paul, who are driving the van with the trailer. They split up yesterday and it was like watching a spacecraft divide in space on trackandtrace.ie as they were heading eastwards towards the Polish-Ukraine border. And I just want to check in because I was watching them last night when they were parked up in what looks like a really big service station with bays for Arctics to sleep overnight. And I want to check in and see how they've been getting on. Paddy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. First of all, we're getting shocking rain and wind here at the moment. How's it been for you, driving? Good, in fairness. Now it's been dry, cold, but that's what we like. Dry and cold, so you're not getting into the wind or howling rain or anything, no? That's good. No, 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 it's landing dry. It was, uh, snow was my worry, but there's no snow. Okay, so I looked at you last night on, on Track and Trace, and you had parked up for the night. Where was that? Um, kind of remember the We were about an hour into Poland. And where are you now? We're heading for Krakow now at the moment. We're close to Krakow. Looks to me and, as if you're uh, you're west of Krakow. We're west of Krakow now, yeah. We're about three hours now from the border. Okay, so do you figure that you will hit the Polish-Ukraine border by about lunchtime, maybe? Yeah, in around lunchtime, we're hoping, with no traffic problems or anything. And is that on schedule? Pretty much so, yeah. Fair play yeah. to you, fair play to you. No issues at all so far? Everything gone really smoothly? Everything has smoothly, yeah. The only thing is that split us up, as you see there on the tracker. My son had to go to uh, walk out of the pallet of med- urgent medical 
that he had on board. And uh, they took that off him this morning at 6 o'clock. And now he's coming back down to meet us here again. So he's dropped the load in Warsaw, done his job and is heading to meet you now. Well, he only dropped one pallet of medical. They were shipping it, I think, direct to the to the Ukraine by train or something. Fantastic. Isn't it amazing that it's gone like clockwork? It's been brilliant. So far, so good. We just hope now we're delivering everything will be okay. Okay. And are you, you're expected by lunchtime there'll be somebody there to meet you and what have you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a guy here I don't know him personally, but my son is dealing with it, Tom. Uh, Tommy, he's dealing with the Ukrainian embassy and he's organising, so we'll be meeting him down here now as well. And Paddy, are you meeting much traffic coming the other way from Ukraine, I wonder? Absolutely crazy. We're talking about it for the last 24 hours. It's madness. Traffic coming against us. Okay, what are you, what are you seeing? Is it cars and vans full of people? Cars and trucks, but there's an awful lot of cars. We're saying it has too many cars for it to be regular, you know? And clearly you can't see into them, but you're probably looking at families in them yeah. with uh, whatever meagre possessions they managed to take with them, do you think? Yeah, I was trying to get the ridges there now, so I didn't know where to but uh, like there's a van now, yeah, but we don't know, but there's a lot of, lot of car traffic coming against us. Yeah. Does that make you sad? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, that's terrible, really. Yeah, yeah. But I guess at the same time, it shows you the importance of the load that you're bringing to Ukrainians. That's for sure, doesn't it? Yeah, we went in for a McDonald's there last night. Now, where we parked up, there was a young guy sitting next to us. We just got talked to him. He was a Belgian. And Nemo, yeah, his name, Tom, from the Tom from here. Um, we just got talking. He was from Belgium, and him and three of his friends in a car are going to uh, Lviv to help their friends. He says they'll be there about two weeks. What are they going to do when they arrive when you say help their friends? I wonder what does he have in mind? They have friends there. They want to help them out. It's them get them out eventually, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and do you talk to other truckers who are heading as well, you know, when you stop up at night doing something similar to yourself? No, th- no? We've, met, uh, we've met nobody since we left the half. We've met nobody. You just got the head down and got to your destination safely and as fast yeah. as possible. So, what's the, what's your return journey going to be like then? We're not too sure. What we wanted on the seventh of March, we did when we get to get home ASAP. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh-huh. Okay, well, listen, I don't know how yeah, we'll be. I found Paul last night, and Paul is because he's already got about two hours sleep last night. So. They've, do, they've done the job yeah, though they, yeah they made it well no, not yet they they've, they've, they've pallet that's not but they still have they still have over half their, their goods on but they're offloading the same place as us so we'll meet them again so you will hook up again both of you uh, and then all drop yeah. together at the same point on the Polish-Ukraine border okay well listen yeah, to me um, if, if you yeah if you, I mean if you happen to get there by midday or anywhere close to midday you know, just um, would you mind if we call you just to check in to see if you're there before we come off air? Yeah, no problem. We're just hoping to get to now get tip to get home. Get home, yeah, I know. Sure, you must be exhausted at the same time, are you? Yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay. Look after yourself, Paddy. Take care. We'll chat a little later on. No matter. Bye-bye. All the best. Uh, obviously, clearly emotional by the whole experience. Why wouldn't you be? I mean, it's such important aid that's going, isn't it? And well done to everybody on Lee's side. You know, it's not just the only aid that's traveling. There's not the only uh, charity or group of people who came together to try and, uh, you know, 
put together as much aid as they could, much needed aid. And I was chatting yesterday morning on the air with Katrina Toomey and we were talking about the Cork Humanitarian Aid Ireland, which has been put together, local volunteers, say for instance from Cork Missing Persons Search and Recovery and, you know, also uh, volunteers from Penny Dinners and a lot of the people working with the Redemptorists Order in Ukraine. So they got five vans of aid going to refugees and will be departing for uh, Ukraine later this morning. Um, they're going into Ukraine, incidentally. That's something I discovered in my conversation uh, with Katrina yesterday. But she was mentioning that everything was being held at the North Cathedral when she was on air with me yesterday morning. So Seamus thought it would be a good idea to pop up there. And he met with the group yesterday afternoon as they were packing up for the preparation for the trip. Okay, the is Friday and um, our daughters are here. Yeah. Neighbours, friends, everything. But this good. seems to be the last of it, not because they're leaving in the morning. So, And what are you sending over? Tents. Shoes. Shoes, yeah. What else have we? I'm trying to go through the list now that we have. All these, look, they're all toiletries, really, you know. Um, baby wipes, toothpaste. Papers of food, really, and a lot of the medical gowns, um, calpals, paracetamols, and all that. You know yourself, all that kind and of stuff. What's driven you to do all this? Well, you know what? Um, my husband has done humanitarian aid over the years, so he was in Bosnia and Kosovo and all those places. So when he saw this last week, wasn't it? We're not even a week, and they'll be gone now tomorrow. They'll be gone now tomorrow. So um, he just came, he said they might try and get a van or two, and yeah. then he rang Katrina to see could she fill the vans and stuff. Yeah. Farmer Katrina said, "Well, I'm taking the van so as well if you're going." So. Then there is three vans, four vans, but I think they're talking about five now or six. But there's a a few of the missing persons volunteers. My husband is going. And Dave Shine is going. Felipe is going. How do you feel about your own husband going? Well, it's something he wants to do. And I just said to him, by all means go, as long as you come home. Well, like that, is that a guarantee? Don't you oh, back? it's not a guarantee, but it's the chance he's willing to take. Barra's husband, Christy, has been out a few times to different, different causes. Places, yeah. He's done a lot of it, but this will be Dave's first time. How, how were you roped in? Uh, I'm Christy's cousin, who's <laughs> running the Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. So, yeah, so I kind of know them and I knew they were... I knew it was going to be chaos, so I thought I'd come down for a couple of hours, duck out of work for a few hours and pop down. Sorry guys, what are you packing up there now? All meds, all medicals that are vital for the, the front, you know. So yeah, they need to go now straight away. So. And what do you make of the community response to the, to the, to the call that was put out? It's been unprecedented to be honest with you, you know. So many people chipping in, you know. But yeah, for a good cause, of course, you know. And what do you know? It could happen to us in the morning, you know what I mean? So, who's to tell, you know? And is that the worry that, it could, that, that he could move further into Europe? Well, I mean, is last week there was, there was uh, seven, well, there's 300,000 people displaced. This week there's 1.5 million. So, you know, 
It doesn't take a genius, you know, to know, to know what's going on. And you just came in on your own back, is it? Yes, I heard it at Mass yesterday, and I felt there's something I can physically do. And if they would need me here, I'd stay for a couple of hours just to um, show solidarity. I also donated to the um, RT um, Late Late Show, because it could be anyone, but that megalomaniac could be anyone. Are you afraid that he's not going to stop at Ukraine? Oh, I think he's going for Poland and Moldova and Hungary next. And where do you think it's going to end? He probably will go to Britain. And um, unless they take every bit of his money and try and let the Russian people know, when the body bags come back, the Russians will realise what's wrong. That's my opinion on it. And you don't think they're aware of what's happening? Oh, I think they're not aware at all. Not at all. I've just been listening to the news and they said that um, a, Rus- a Russian athlete at a gymnastics international wore the Z on his leotard, that means war, for the Russians. And he stood next to a Ukrainian who won the gold. So they're talking about um, eliminating him. So it's got that bad. I think the Russian people haven't a clue. It's just, he is just a small man with a big ego. To give you a second trip, I said. If not, like, because there will be plenty of stuff. It's sad to see it, like, but it's needed, like, you know. And why do you think the, the outpouring is here for, for the Ukrainian people? I say it's just, I suppose, like, it's a, obviously, it's a heroic story when you hear it, like, but I suppose people just want to help. And I suppose you just want to outreach. I suppose people just want to help in any way they can. I suppose everything is local, everything is parochial, so people just want to give. And suppose You're here to support the Ukrainian yeah, effort? Yeah, just to donate money there now, like, you know. What was urging you to do that? When I heard on television, like, I mean, they all need, they all need help, like, you know what I mean? Especially when they're trying to get over the borders, like, you know what I mean? So I just said I'd give the money. I, like, I didn't, I want, I was going to buy stuff, but I didn't know, like, I could give money, so I just gave the money there instead, like, you know what I mean? Are you heading over yourself? I want to be considering the man. Did I ask Katrina for stuff? This is we were going anyway. Yeah. We were going anyway, seven Dan Cairns, the chap he's out there with the van. We were going anyway, because we've done this before, we've done humanitarian aid before, in Bosnia and stuff like that, so Kosovo and all that stuff. So when we saw it happening on the telly, I rang him, I said, he says, I know, he said, we have to do something. So there's one, we sat off with one van, we said, we go to Susserow, we can take Arctic out after. We said, we'd Susserow, there was one van, then one of our own lads wanted to go up, so that was the second van. So then we had the third van, so then I rang Katrina and asked her, did she have stuff that she could put in the vans? And she said, where are you going? I said, we're going, to, we're going out to Ukraine. And she said, we'd love to do that. So then Katrina got involved. Now we have five vans, and it looks like we're going to have a sixth van. Where things are going, but we're, 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 we're dealing with the redemptors outside in Ukraine. So they have targeted specific stuff and specific areas that we can actually get to where there's no traffic jams. Can you, what can you expect when you get out there? Like, well, we've been in conflict zones before, so... I know there's a lot of military hardware on the border now. American tanks and stuff are on the border. Um, we're told that they're, they're jamming all the signals. So 
It's, it's, it's pure conflict zone really we've seen all this before in Bosnia and stuff this is this is kind of turning out like Bosnia where just when they don't win military they start killing people and they just keep on killing the people they'll open humanitarian corridors to get them out and they just blitz the place and that's the same happened in Bosnia but we saw them opening the humanitarian corridors yeah. yesterday yeah, and yeah. nobody could get out and correct. again today the humanitarian corridor that they've opened up has been landmined yeah correct correct same as Bosnia the exact same as Bosnia so what they did was they opened the corridors the people that come out and they'll pick them off as everyone. It's the same thing. It's a carb carbon copy. We were in Tottenham the other night at home myself and my wife. And it's a carbon copy. We were in Bosnia four times. We got shot at, arrested, every you name it. It's, it's, it's going to be like the Wild West. Unfortunately, it's just the normal people. And that's who we're going to help. It's just the normal people are in the middle of it all, as always, and all these things. So where is it going to end? Oh. How long is a piece of string? To be honest and truthful, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be any resolution anytime soon. Yeah, we, we got a call during the night. I'm not sure if Chris told you. And the call was that um, they're starving. There's some places not getting any food and they're actually starving. And then there was a call coming about two hours ago to say that the Russians got off the power. And so there's an appeal out for tents. So we did have some, but... We were saying we take foods and medical aid instead of tents like and stuff. But because now the power is cut off, they're going to freeze to death if they don't get the tents. Are you surprised with the, um, I suppose, the community response in such a short period? No, because when we were doing the runs for Bosnia, we were down in the big warehouse down in Albert Key. It's one Albert Key, I think, and we were down in a massive, massive warehouse, and that was filled in no time. And every time we'd load up an Arctic, it would be filled up again. So we would have seen all this before when my mother was going to Bosnia and stuff. And we, we did, like, only, I was only after baby, like, she was only a couple of months old when we were filling up down there. Tomorrow morning you're, you're, you're heading away with these. Do, do you really know what you're letting yourself in for? Well, we do. We've it all Are you prepared out. for that? Oh, we're prepared, yeah. Because, right, totally. like, you're, you're, you're going to basically into a militarised zone where there's kind of heavy artillery yeah, on the we, borders. We have a guy with us, like, who speaks both Russian and Polish fluent he's from Lithuania so we have him and he's he, he speaks both those languages fluently so we have him with us to look after that so um, we, we know we would you know we sat down and it doesn't bother you doesn't bother me what bothers me is that do you know that not enough stuff is getting into the people and what bothers me is the war and the women the children the elderly the men the whole lot of them those tears that you see you know people there look we're all human we've been talking to people on the ground in Karma. they've given us a very safe route to get to them we have everything written out in different languages like so that if we need to go someplace and there's we don't they don't speak our language we have it in their language so every eastern european country everything is covered covered like yeah. you know. good luck tomorrow and it'll be great you, you'll be back when well, realistically, we're going to be three days travelling. We won't get to Ukraine until Friday. And then we'll unload, come back out and fill up. But if that's too difficult to do, if you know, if we can't do it because we're too tired, we'll stay overnight in Tarno and go in the following morning and make our journey back. So we're talking three days going, three days coming back. On an overnight. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 Thank you for that, Seamus. That's from uh, the North Cathedral yesterday. And good luck to them. May they be safe. May they get there safely, deliver the aid that's much needed and come back to us safely again. And that goes for...
Poddy and the gang as well. Text 0868 104 106. Remember I was mentioning the back end of last week that there was a call out to farmers and uh, it's a bit like reminds me of the Second World War when everybody was turning to allotments to grow their own veg. But it got me thinking about they were being asked to think about, you know, growing more vegetables as the cost of living bites and, you know, fuel costs get more expensive and Europe is changing and the world is changing and most of our vegetables come in from overseas. It's bizarre, actually, because there was a report brought out there back in 2016, because I imagine it can only have got worse, that only 1% of Irish farms grow vegetables. And apparently even less farms have even orchards or grow fruit. So, you know, you would think that we could grow an awful lot of apples, but uh, apparently that isn't the case. So 1% of Irish farms grow vegetables. So where are all of our vegetables actually coming from? And why did it change? Uh, Anthony Barry is a veg farmer, or was a veg farmer, I should say, but got into cattle instead. And uh, he's the man to answer the question, I would imagine. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, I'm good, thanks. Uh, when did it all change and why? Um, when did it all change? Uh, for me, it changed about 20 years ago. Uh, I think it changed when the multiples actually got control of the entire food market. Um, if you remember back when you were a young lad, Neil, there was independent operators and grocery shops operating everywhere. Yeah. They're not, they're not there anymore. They're all tied into a multiple now. And the multiples had complete control of the market. They dictated the price. Um, they told you when they were going to be giving specials um, on, the, on the market. And the price. Just explain paid, that. Uh, they would say to you, like what? Uh, okay. you, you, next you get, week you now get, we want you to do... Next week we're doing a special on carrots. Right. And basically it is you're taking the hit. It's the growth takes the hit, not the not the multiple, not the, um, the supermarket. Well, in the sense so, that they would say to you, and because we're doing that special... You have to give us at a cheaper price, is it? Exactly, exactly. And that was happening regularly. But also, you weren't even getting a set price. So, I mean, there were, I remember there was huge numbers of um, uh, carrot growers in Ardmore. It would have been well known for growing carrots uh, and parsnips. And I would say you could have in excess of 20 growers down there. I don't think there's any, if maybe only one or two down there now. Because quite simply, they were squeezed out of the market. And it wasn't by farm, um, farm multiples at the time. They just didn't know what the price they were getting for the product. And if you look ah, at it now, right. Neil, you can go, you go into a supermarket and you buy a bag of carrots for 49 cents. Yes. Well, like, that's just the last litre. Somebody has been squeezed completely on that. So food has never been so cheap. It's a, it's a cheap food policy that was followed. And uh, they took the hit on certain products. And I think you can see it yourself. I mean, there's uh, Lenehan's, their big uh, Brussels sprout growers up the country. They've folded operations this year. They've been at it for years and years, and they just can't make it pay anymore, you know? And it's down to the multiples and the pressure and the, the below-cost selling, you say? Pretty much, yeah. pretty much. So yes. where are we and, getting uh, our carrots and our parsnips and our turnips? There's the ones, they're the ones you made. Where are they coming from? A lot of them are still being going in Ireland, but a lot of them are coming from the UK, coming in from, from the continent. Um and uh, particularly, I suppose, look, Neil, there was, there was a time when I was started growing um, that kind of veg first. You didn't have carrots for the months of maybe May and June. You didn't have them because they weren't imported. They were grown locally and you had the old product that was fairly shocking. Yeah. And then you had the, the new product that was probably coming out in the end of June, early July. Now you have them all year round, but they're coming from Israel or they're coming from Spain. We didn't have that before. So you, 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 you had seasonal products. And now you expect, look, we have strawberries all year round. Now, I know some of them are grown in, in, in Ireland as well all year round. But there's a cost comes associated with that. So we don't do seasonal produce anymore. But, I mean, it is, it, it's a huge problem. You're not going to flick this switch because it's the same thing for grains. Um, 
I mean, we import a what huge What do you mean by grain now? You're talking about barley, wheat, corn. We're talking about barley, wheat, maize, corn, yeah, beans, um, because we import a huge amount of feed into this country um, from Russia and Ukraine, in particular Ukraine for grain. Fertilizer coming from Russia. Uh, fertilizer prices have gone up, uh, tripled um, in 12 months. Um, so the cost alone for growing an acre of grain would be would have gone from probably 100, acre, 100 euro an acre up to probably nearly 300 Because of feed acre. and fertiliser is triple in price. You know the veg, the green veg, like say for instance, whether it was mange too or green beans or runner beans, why, why, are they, why are they still so cheap if they're coming from the likes of Venezuela? Yeah, you know something, it's something that I don't understand what the, uh, the producer in Venezuela or Ecuador or Chile or wherever yeah. they are, they must be getting absolutely nothing for them. But I think a lot of it is down to, again, if you if you make your your veg or your meat, and we all see this with chickens, three euro ninety nine special offer this week, or you know the the manch two is bought in there and it's fifty euro a pack or something like that. I mean, they are lost leaders that are 50 cent. used to bring you in, and like that that is the, that is a known fact within the retail Do you think the veg should be dearer then and that it would change the game here and that would encourage more farmers to I mean would that be I think it's not even down to to making it more expensive I think if there was a guaranteed price that at least the the people and there's a huge amount of knowledge and technology goes into it now as well I mean it is not like uh, the old days where you planted your your quarter of an acre of carrots and you pulled them in bunches and you brought them to the store you obviously have to be very mechanised now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a local potato grower here and he's growing 200 acres, but it's a hugely mechanised, uh, costly operation. Like, there are millions involved in his operation. So, like, it's not something that the small guy can just readily go back into again. And, you know, because you are relying on the multiples, they, they're centralised by, yeah, yeah. they have about 85 to 90% of the market. Okay, there's local farmers markets and people that say, you know, people can go to them, but they've only a small Tiny by comparison the to the multiples, yeah. And, and just on potatoes and say for, say, for instance, our beet industry, that was thriving for hundreds and hundreds of years and we had all our own sugar plants. Is that, that's all gone now, isn't it? Oh, it's gone completely, Neil. And, and like, we were sold a pup on that, that basically if you, if you, uh, we got out of sugar beet because it wasn't, um, it wasn't viable. It wasn't uh, cost-effective. But guess what? The price of sugar never dropped in the in the stores once our beet industry went. You know, we were led to believe that in some way it was being uh, subsidised, um, that in some way that, you know, all farmers or beet growers were subsidised by the cost of sugar. cost of sugar never dropped. And so we like, used to have it, Irish sugar. It was the likes of sugar and what have you. Where's the sugar well, coming yeah, from? Where's it coming from now? Mostly the continent. Um, and, and yes, they were more effective and probably more efficient because obviously their climate is totally different. They were way more sunshine during the summer, which is uh, is to growing a sugar beet. And then sugar cane, obviously, we found it very difficult to compete with sugar cane. But like the same thing, we, we had a great fertilizer factory below in um, Marina Point. Net. And uh, again, price of fertilizer was supposedly going to drop once Net uh, closed because we were subsidizing that. Guess what? The price of fertilizer didn't drop. Yeah, I know. And if anything, it would be great to have our own nitrogen plant now in the country um, we would, I won't say we'd be independent but it would definitely help the situation that we find ourselves in Could now. Could I ask you a little bit then about maybe the upside to the change which would be beef 
pork and cheese. I mean, we have massive production of beef, don't we, here? Not just for our own market, but internationally all over the world. Is that what farmers move to instead then? The likes of beef, the likes of pork. And, you know, you'll get Irish cheeses on markets and on tables all over the world now. Is that where they move to? Well, I suppose, look, dairying was obviously the big thing. Um, dairying, and um, we all know that dairying has uh, expanded uh, rapidly since the quota disappeared. And that's what we're good at. We're good at growing grass in this country. And um, now I know the cow is getting a lot of, um, I suppose, bad publicity because of methane emissions and everything else. But we are still way ahead uh, per litre of milk, uh, cost effectively from a carbon emissions point of view, than they would be in the continent. Um, so we're good at, growing, at producing certain products, uh, maybe in not as effective on other products um, but definitely beef I suppose we are world renowned again for our beef production and it's green and it's very very um, I suppose economically and environmentally friendly production but there's huge costs coming in there because the cost of meat to well. finish your yeah. beef yeah. is skyrocketing yeah. because again we're importing it's not down to Ukraine anymore this was a problem that was developing ever before what has happened in the last fortnight but it's going to be exacerbated um, by a la- to a large degree by what has happened. But is that where the money is now in dairy and in beef? Well, I wouldn't say the money is in beef. The money, probably from a farming perspective, dairy is by far and away the most profitable um, enterprise uh, in Ireland. There's no question about that. But at the same tillage, time then... Tillage has improved. Yeah. Tillage has improved over the last couple of years. Just, but I mean, the tillage industry was on its knees there for, for a large number of years. And as I've said, it's a very mechanised it's a very expensive uh, sector to be involved in and you just don't jump into it um, without huge investment. As a lay person, it always beggars belief when I read statistics from the CSO with regards to potatoes and onions and carrots and turnips, tomatoes, cabbage and lettuce, all coming in from overseas. 72,000 tonnes of potatoes were imported into Ireland, 47,000 tonnes of onions, and that was just in the year of 2017 alone. 23,000 tonnes of cabbages. We used to grow all those things ourselves. I can understand fruit coming in from Costa Rica and Belize and Peru and Morocco and Egypt. We wouldn't be great at fruit, but we'd be damn good at veg-like. No, it's absolutely crazy to think that, um, you know, I, I go into the supermarket and you pick up a, a head of cabbage and it's, it's coming from France or it's coming from the UK or coming from Spain. I mean, that's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous and it shouldn't be the case. But I think it's purely down to cost efficiencies and definitely if there was a, a regular market and that growers were guaranteed a price, I think you wouldn't have a problem with supplying a lot of those products. We all know turnips, cabbages, you mentioned them all, they should be grown here in this country. But there is a problem in that mechanisation. It would have been a huge labour-intensive operation. You mean physically uh, there would have been a lot of people working the land, is it? Oh yeah, huge. I mean, I remember as a a child, uh, I'm in Caritool and there was a lot of early potato growers and you couldn't get anyone in in school in 5th and 6th class uh, when I was a youngster because they were all off potato picking and and their, parents, and their models as well with them. And that will go on for most of the summer. They're, they're probably the same quantity of potatoes being grown in carry tool by one or two growers now. Yeah, probably only four, four or five people. Yeah, I mean, everybody listening to this will probably remember their own youth when they went strawberry picking in the summer. They ate as much as they picked, but uh, they made handy money and, across and the summer. And got violently sick. And got violently sick after eating so <laughs> that's many right, That's <laughs> right. Those days are gone, are they? Uh, well, I, the strawberry picking probably is still a big thing because obviously the nature of the product, you can't be rough with it. But potatoes and we'll say onions, a lot of that, those type of products are all mechanised now. Yeah. All right. OK, I'll let you get back to it because I can hear the cattle in the background there. Can I, Anthony? 
there's a, a lad there full of love for us something to help her open the fan off pin so yeah <laughs> is that <laughs> it's what it is year, Neil. it's it a love is, call yeah. is it it's a meeting call, call. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's responding too readily <laughs> <them>, but anyway <laughs> well it is International Women's Day today it's her call <laughs> <laughs> have a great okay, day Neil. cheers pal Thanks. take care bye, Anthony, bye. Anthony Barry a farmer himself done carry tool away text 0868104106 Dan thank you for holding back in a sec <laughs> Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. And keep those texts coming, text 0868 Dan, good morning. Good morning, Neil, how are you? I'm well, sorry for holding you, just um, trying to plug through. Anyway, you just want to pick up on the coverage of Ukraine, is it? Well, in a lot of places in general, what I really, what's on my mind the other morning, the past couple of days, the past week is, where's the help for the outpouring for Palestine? They are exactly suffering the same consequences with Israel. And there's not a word about it. We said there was a 16-year-old that shot there just today by the Israelis. Mm. And they're able to drive into Palestine with their tanks and their gunships overhead and do all the destruction that they want with yeah. impunity. Yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned the Israeli-Palestinian conflict last week and I got uh, accused of all sorts of things, including the fact that somebody said to me by text, do you not realize that the Palestinians bomb Israel? Well, they have every right to. And they should be supplied with weapons too because all their lands are after being taken from them. Yeah. They're all after being annexed and there's people's homes being bulldozed down and the people there by rifle, then they're pointed out and made to walk away while there's another, while there's another Israeli settlement put up. And do you say the same about um, maybe the lack of coverage of Syria? But I recall exactly. the Syria... No, exactly. I recall talking about the Syrian conflict very much in 2015 when we were looking to take Syrian refugees. Maybe not as much as Ukraine, but it certainly was spoken about. Afghanistan, not so much, though. No, 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 no. But you see, you've got the Israelis bombing Syria. You've got Assad, his own, his own, <laughs> bombing his own people. And you've got Russia bombing it. And not a word about it. There are three tyrants. The Israelis, Assad, and Putin. And why do you think there's so much fixation with Ukraine? Is it because this war in Ukraine is so one-sided? Well, it's the might of the Russians against civilians fighting. I think the, Ameri- I think the Americans, well, they are warmongers, let's face it. They're after invading an awful lot of countries like Iraq. Look at the state they're after leaving that country. But your Biden's they asleep. Biden's totally asleep on this, isn't he? Uh, well, well what, what about the rest of them that was there before him? Before him, Bush, he was the biggest instigator of it. But anyway... I would like to see containers of medicines going out to Palestine. And for the life of me this morning, it's beyond belief. It's not happening. Yeah, there it's was a happening. lot of there was a lot of charitable aid gone into Palestine over the years. Surely you know that. An awful lot. In fact, I, yes, I, I recall doing a lot on the air here back in 2018, 17, when um, a couple of hundred Palestinian kids came into Ireland and maybe 50 or 60 of them came to Cork. That's right, I know that. But you see, a lot of it is down to the lack of the media. I think, I think CNN, Al Jazeera, they have been censored on the Palestine issue. And that is the truth, but because there's fierce hype about this, and I think NATO have an awful lot to answer for. You think that, you think that American media are very touchy-feely about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, is it? Oh, exactly. Sure, they're supplying them with arms as well, the Americans like. Uh, well, I think the Americans will supply anybody with arms. doesn't really matter who you are. And, you know, right, so Britain's the same. Britain's and Britain the same. could well be the same, yeah. Okay, so it's... Yeah, yeah. I'd like people to stop and sit down and think and analyse the whole situation. Yes, but they should I still help, it. right? Oh, yeah, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Absolutely. 
Because, I mean, say, there's a bigger picture to all this, and I'm, I'm very much afraid a lot of planning went into it. By the Americans. How do you mean, planning by, by the and, Americans? And by, and, and by Zelensky himself as well. How, how do you mean? What are you, what are you trying to say? Right. There's an, awful lot, there's an awful lot of Israelis living in uh, Ukraine as well. And what's that got to do with anything? Well, you can see what's happening in Palestine, can't you? Yeah, so the, is, isn't, the, isn't the president of Ukraine Jewish? That's right, yeah. yeah. So why would they be going on about, about uh, uh, taking out fashion? Wherever they are, there's trouble. Ash, you can't be saying that, man. That's, that's incitement to hatred. You'll have to retract that. You can't say oh, that. You can't, but you can't say that wherever they go, there's trouble. Wherever who goes? Oh, yeah. That's my belief. And I don't well, it. lad, I, if you're saying it, I'm not, um, I'm not standing over a comment like that. You can't be saying things like that about people. Oh, yeah. What's, that, what's, the, what, what's, the, what's the end game to all this? Well, I mean, they're, going, they're, they're going to it. Like, I mean, as I said to you before, there'll be no peace in the Middle East till Palestine is free. Well, that's 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 a fairly that's a fairly okay thing to say, but you can't be making and comments. And, 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 and there'll be no there'll be no peace in the in the Balkans. Ukraine is free. All right, okay. Let me get some more calls and texts on this text. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Not everybody is actually happy with the fact that people are being asked, asked for aid. I got a an interesting uh, text came in overnight saying my child's primary school is holding a blue and yellow day on Friday they're the Ukrainian colours in solidarity with the people of Ukraine and I don't know how I feel about it the notification that parents got states that the wearing of the colours is not mandatory but they infer in their note that a donation from every every family is required now a number of families that attend the school are of mixed cultures like Russian and Irish Russian and Ukrainian and while I abhor the war it is putting these families in a very precarious situation. Another part of me questions, should young people, especially the junior classes, know exactly what's going on? And should there be an inference that all parents should make a donation in the first place? Some may be conscientious objectors and others may have made a donation to another organization. Some could just not afford it. Am I the only one who thinks this way? Are our school, are other schools doing the same? Asking students to come in on Friday wearing blue and yellow and for parents to make a donation. Well, I think it would be an issue. Certainly it would be an issue if you had Russian children in the same class, wouldn't it? But an interesting response to that. Uh, Heather says, I agree with not wanting kids to know all of the details, but it's good for kids to know that just simple Ukraine needs a bit of support right now. And we're going to do this to show our support. I think that's okay. As for upsetting people who are from Russia or a family there, uh, have you asked them parents for their opinions? Asked the school, did they ask for the Russian parents' opinions? I don't care where you are from. It's raising money, not for a government and weapons, but to help people with medical supplies and essentials. Whatever country you're from or whatever political beliefs you have, uh, it should still not want you to not save people and keep people safe. People are fleeing Russia too. Not everything is black and white. Um, keep your precious kids off that day. Get some cotton wool and wrap it around them. Can we all agree that growing up we witnessed some sort of war and that it hasn't affected us in any way? 
just makes us grateful to live in a country that's a war-free zone. Yeah, the question being asked as well, though, besides that, Jennifer, is as to whether or not small children should be told about war, you know, or should be involved in conversations about war or aggression. Uh, how much do you tell a young child? Text 0868104106. Back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Yeah, we did a lot on fuel prices yesterday. Quite a big amount of texts on it. Uh, where you saw... I saw petrol this morning in Douglas Village at €2.08. So that's a fairly steep climb in the last few days, isn't it? Apparently our petrol prices now and diesel as well in Ireland are back to 1991 prices. They haven't been as dear since 1991. Here in Donner, and these are figures from yesterday. Here in Donnerail, petrol was 188 this morning at 9am. Uh, by half past 11, it had gone from 188 to €2.06. I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? Now, I know that they do say that there's a tiny markup on fuel in petrol stations that they make their money in other things like the lotto or fruit and veg or sandwiches or soft drinks or take out coffee. They say that the markup for the actual owner of the petrol station is tiny. Uh, sorry I can't come on air listening with interest about the cost of running a car and petrol. We've had to have an NCT on our car last week, which is fair enough as it's a 2010 car. But my husband said there were cars there which were just five years old. I feel this is a total disgrace. Just another money-making racket by the government. Is it any wonder uh, that they're open 24 hours for the NCT? My son's friend got an appointment for 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a complete joke, Suzanne, NCTing five-year-old cars. Fair play for talking about fuel prices. It's about time we stood up to these thieving government TDs. Um, just a quick question. I was wondering, could you find out are all the trucking companies after falling off the face of the planet? Why aren't they protesting at the cost of fuel anymore? And this from Rob, who listens in Canberra, Australia. I've been listening to the conversations regarding higher fuel prices. I had a mate who owned a servo, which is a petrol station with a shop, and these are some of the points I'd like to share. Firstly, when wholesale prices go up generally, the percentage margin decreases. Most servers, servers make their profit in the shops, uh, not with the fuel. And there's pressure for them to keep the fuel price as low as possible to get people through the door to buy other things. The government now makes more revenue through taxes and excise as there are percentages of, uh, uh, as these are the high percentage of food, fuel prices. You're right there, Rob. You're absolutely right. It's a huge amount that they take. Somebody said yesterday it was as high as 63 cent in the in the euro with regards to petrol and diesel taxation with excise and indeed with VAT. Problem with the oil off the coast that you're talking about is three politicians signed a climate emergency about two years ago, prohibiting the Irish from drilling our own oil, prohibiting the Irish from exploring for more in the future. Yet we still continue to import it and we burn the same amount. There are more people in the greater Manchester area than there are in Ireland. Politicians are crooked. And I think what you're saying is there are more people in the greater Manchester area than there are in the entire of Ireland. And look how many politicians we have. Actually, we're actually short of politicians, uh, apparently. I was reading at the weekend that we, because our population is closer now to five million or maybe even over it that we're 16 I think we're 16 TDs short now so you're going to find 
don't want to hear this, but you're going to find that we will have a bigger doll with more TDs than ever come the next general election. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Calls and comments on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. International Women's Day today. Some interesting stats for you this morning with regards to women in Ireland and the struggles and the juggling that they have to put up with. Uh, The Mirror this morning says that one third of women thought about quitting their job. They just find it harder and harder these days with the pressure uh, of living and trying to work and rear a family and do everything else. I'm not suggesting for a moment that men are completely idle in that department, but women are finding the juggle of career and family responsibility Responsibilities just got too difficult. Also, one in five business businesses in Ireland has no women in senior management, according to the papers this morning. One area, though, that is making inroads is law. Women are currently in the majority among trainees and qualified solicitors in Ireland. So I suppose it's fair to say that the Law Society has gone a long way to break that bias. But there are a lot of other issues that women want change in. They want change in in, in things like gender-based violence. We heard way too much of that in the recent past. Housing issues, childcare costs, women's health care issues... Other pressing issues facing women uh, include traveller women, disabilities within uh, the women's uh, sex, and migrant women. These are just some of them, and there's a lot more, but it goes from our boardroom all the way down right across society. It's International Women's Day. I'm joined by Martina Stafford from International for International Women's Day from Rosa. Martina, good morning. Hi, Neil. How's it going? I'm good. I don't mean to paint an overly negative uh, perspective of things, but we have International Women's Day every single year. Um, Is it getting any better? Um, Well, there has been a recent global feminist uh, movement that has emerged. You know, it's been hit, I think, a bit by the pandemic. Um, But, you know, working class women have played a key role in mass movements and struggles all over the Middle East. Uh, you know, North Africa calling for an end to authoritarian regimes against inequality, for bodily autonomy uh, to end oppression, uh, really inspiring movements all over the world. And I think the pandemic has kind of has hit that a little bit. But um, I'm pretty sure that now, uh, like the slogan we're using is out of the shadows into the streets. I think that people will be back um, and demanding an end to inequality and oppression again, you know, because things haven't uh, changed. I understand, and I understand the importance of protesting against international oppression. In fact, there are stats out this morning talking, and Ireland doesn't even get in the top 10 when it comes to the best European countries for women, say, for instance, to work. Lithuania comes first, Finland second, Bulgaria then, Sweden, Norway, Spain, Estonia. Uh, a lot of them Eastern European countries, interestingly. We we don't come into the top 10 at all. In terms of women workers? You know, I understand the importance of dealing with and, and protesting against international oppression in countries, particularly against women. But what about the struggles that women have to put up with here at home, particularly women who yeah. are trying to work, trying to rear a family, all of those issues, the day-to-day pressures... Yeah, well, I think the pandemic has had a hugely negative impact on women in terms of losing jobs. Uh, Most of the essential workers that we have, uh, a lot of them are women. Most of them are women. They're cleaners, teachers, uh, nurses, carers. Women have had to do the extra unpaid work in the home, um, caring for relatives, etc. You know, so it's had a hugely negative impact on women um, not being able to work due to the cost of childcare. Single mothers have been hit severely by the pandemic. And yet, in Ireland, we've had uh, our nine billionaires increase their, their wealth by something like 13 billion. So it has 
uh, impoverished and really negatively brought women backwards, uh, this crisis, but it has actually improved uh, the wealth of, of millionaires and billionaires. So that's kind of what we've seen. Yeah, and is that why there's a survey out this morning saying that one third of women have thought of quitting their jobs because they can't juggle career and family responsibilities? They just find it too difficult? Yeah, it's, I mean, yes, it's obviously extremely difficult. And then as well as all of those pressures, you have like there was a huge increase and spike in, in gender violence um, during the pandemic, you know, uh, so even in Cork uh, last year, there were at least 56 women um, turned away from uh, Coonley Refuge because there was just there wasn't space to accommodate these women. So they were essentially forced to stay in violent uh, households. So as well as all of the issues you're mentioning there, it, like women are also deal- having to deal with, with domestic violence and gender violence. You're calling in that regard for a tripling in funding for refuges, for refuges, aren't you? Yes, we're calling for a tripling of funding for all domestic and sexual violence uh, services in Ireland. They've been completely underfunded and neglected uh, by the government uh, for for years, and uh, we're just calling for immediate action, urgent action. Um, there is a pandemic of gender violence. Uh, it's been called the shadow pandemic of gender violence by the UN, and Basically, after the murder of Ashley Murphy, um, our people poured onto the streets and were saying, we've had enough of this and we want to take action. We called a, a standout against gender violence. Um, and then we had a protest in Cork and we pointed to International Women's Day as an opportunity for us to actually get organized and demand real action from the government. Yeah. Because very little has come from all the fine speeches that they made. Um, after that brutal murder of Ashley Murphy, you know, so we're saying we need to actually take action and put pressure could on that, Could that action actually start with very small children in schools, I wonder? You know. Well, one thing we, we are demanding is that we should have LGBTQ plus inclusive sex education, uh, objective sex education in all schools uh, with consent at the heart of it. It's incredible that we don't have that. That should be the, the starting point, you know, Um so that's one thing that we're calling for. The church should not be have any involvement in our schools or hospitals. Do do school do church involvement in primary or secondary schools prevent uh, people understanding that the traditional model of sexuality is now completely and utterly outdated? Is it? Well, it cuts across having an objective LGBTQ plus inclusive sex education in schools. Yeah, that seems a bit out of date, doesn't it, to say the least? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, what, 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 will, what, will, what will change that? No longer have any Catholic school involved, Catholic church involvement, perhaps? Well, absolutely. We need to call for a separation of church and state. You know, I, I, understand, I understand that we've been reporting an awful lot on attacks against women, and it's been absolutely shocking. And we just touched there on sex education in our schools. Are you saying that that consent should be taught that at what age do you start introducing these matters and these issues to children um because some might suggest that you could introduce it too young no well i think that obviously we just need to have consent brought in in general to you know the, our communities workplaces schools like that's the main point in terms of the question of what age i i don't have a, like a definitive answer on that but like we're way behind where we need to be um, and like that should be the starting point. But what people I'm, need to learn about consent. Teenagers were surveyed recently, and it was something like ninety-seven uh, percent of young people saying we want to learn about consent. 
It's easily learnt, isn't it? When you think of it, when you really boil it down. Yes, obviously it's very straightforward. Yeah. Um, it's just not. It's just not considered a priority um, in most schools. What of the issues in the workplace then? Do you deal with any of those? Uh, one in five businesses saying they've no women in senior management. Uh, would 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 that change now with the new world? Do you think that be more of a hybrid working arrangement for women who are also trying to rear families? Sorry, I didn't catch you. I'm saying that I'm looking at the workplace issues there, women missing yeah. out on key business roles or um, women missing out on promotions or not being at the boardroom table, issues like that. Yeah, well, sexism is at all levels of society. You know, um, there's really no escape in it. It's very deep rooted in our society. I mean, we have, like I said, the, obviously the neglect of, of um you know, of domestic violence services. We have like victim blaming in the courts, uh, harassment every day on the street, in the workplace um, that you mentioned online. Um, you know, it's completely endemic in this, in society. It's deep rooted in society. Is it not being called called out more now though, Martina? Yeah, I think it is being called out more now, which is really, really positive. And that's what we're trying to build on. And that's why we call this protest um, today, because I mean, Hundreds of thousands of people came out onto the streets after Ashing Murphy was murdered, and that's incredible. And it shows that ordinary people actually reject uh, that extreme form of misogyny, and that's very positive. But at the same time, we're not seeing change actually happening uh, in society. Like, for instance, what I was saying about the state is continued neglect of these services and victim blaming in the courts. Uh, the 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 cancelling of over mm. three thousand domestic violence nine 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 calls yeah. by the Gardaí. Yeah. So the the point is that ordinary people are actually moving forward, um, and are saying, you know what, we're actually we stand in solidarity with all victims of gender violence, and we reject these backward ideas. Don't we? But the don't, government are not taking note and but, not taking action. But just on the point of the government, don't we need more women in the doll? Then there's only twenty three percent of the doll female. Yes, I don't think it's it's necessarily going to solve everything. It's the point of what our, our politics, you know, and what we but stand for. But if it were 50-50, though, we'd hear more voices, wouldn't we, representing women? We'd have yeah. more equality, wouldn't we? If we have more women in the doll. I, I would, I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify, but I, I would think so. Yeah, I don't think it's as simple as that. There should be more women in the doll. There should obviously be equality at every level of society, but the point is obviously that we have women in, in government and are they actually fighting for the benefit of all women, for, for workers, for poorer women? Are they actually fighting for, for these groups? Yeah, I understand. What is, what is the record of these politicians, you know, male or female or non-binary? What is the, what is the record? That's what we need to look at. It's not about, it's not just as simple as, as gender. It's what we stand for. That's important. We're very bad with regards to maternity issues, for instance, in this country, you know, uh, with regards to maternity leave or, you know, the length of time or the pay- payments that are made. That's another area, of course, that we fall down very badly when you look at other European countries and other Irish or other, other European companies and how they look after women who are on maternity leave. Are you across any of that? Well, listen, there's like there's so many areas that we could look at, you know, um, in terms of like as well as women's health care, um, like access, even the, the, the fact that um, it, there's only 10 of the 19 maternity hospitals that actually provide abortion services. Um, <clears throat> like it, it's kind of an endless list. But the point is that it's, it's deep rooted. You can't just look at, at kind of 
one issue and think you're going to solve everything. You know, it, it's endemic in our society. And that's, that's kind of the point that we want to, to highlight today. You know, uh, we're not just looking at one area or one group of women yeah, or whatever. The yeah. point is, it's a deep rooted um, sexist society. And that's what we need to point towards and, and point the finger at the state, at the system, at the institutions, um, as well as calling for cultural change from below of people actually just rejecting these ideas. You okay, know? and we touched on a lot of the topics this morning, and I thank you for it. There is a gathering today, isn't there? Yeah, there's a gathering at um, 4 p.m. on Grand Parade, and we'll be there'll be speeches. Um, we'll have a former Debenhams woman worker uh, who will be speaking, um, um, a woman from the Traveller Visibility Group and uh, Margaret Regan from People Before Profit as well as other speakers. And then we'll be marching um, down Oliver Plunkett Street and back down Patrick Street. 4pm from the Grand Parade to mark International Women's Day this afternoon. Yeah, we want people to come and join us and get involved with Rosa. Um, build a movement that is an anti-war movement, a movement against gender violence, challenging misogyny, um, all forms of oppression and inequality. A couple of interesting texts here as a response to our conversations this morning. One says that you make a claim that the church should not have anything to do with education. Does that mean that there should be no moral moral teachings um, and that you are actually supporting sexual deviance? It's an interesting point, isn't it? I didn't. I, I don't. I don't get it. I, I think. What well, you you don't believe it or you don't understand it? I don't get the point that's being made. I, I suppose the point being made is that the church has the moral compass of society, and that this texter believes that the te- that the church's policy that you can only have a family with a mammy and a daddy, and everything else is a sin. Okay. Well, obviously that completely backward and that's what we need to get rid of um if the point has been made that that we need to get rid of that then, then absolutely i agree with that you know um it's based on rigid gender norms uh about you know men being a certain way very kind of limited rigid idea of men and and, a, and a, the same with women you know and we need to completely reject that um it's not inclusive obviously uh, to different sexualities it's not inclusive to different genders and we need to get rid of that we need objective LGBTQ plus inclusive sex education. Yeah, okay. And the church cuts across that, obviously. Another, another one, and I don't mean to just read out the negative texts, it's just the ones that are, that are coming up here. Um, that, that, that if, a woman, if, a, if a woman wants to be a mother, then she should concentrate on that rather than a professional job that requires total commitment. I've been in the situation a number of times when pursuing a legal case that my legal representative suddenly disappeared on maternity leave and I have to start all over again. It's an interesting text, isn't it? I mean, suggesting maybe suggesting that women just um, that we just shouldn't have babies in the world, or there's another way of having babies that don't involve women or something, is it? Anyway, keep those texts coming. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six four o'clock today from Grand Parade. Best of luck with that one. Thank you for taking the call, Thank Martina. You. Cheers, all the Bye. best. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. To the phone lines we go. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And your thoughts? Well, it just shows what kind of a backward country we are. When Helen McEntee, when she was minister and needed to take maternity leave, there's no provision in the Constitution for a female TD to get maternity leave. Yeah, what did she do in that case, actually? I can't in, recall. In that, in, in that case, what actually happened was um, Hall 
had to give the justice portfolio temporarily for the nine months or whatever to Helen or to Heather Humphreys. Right. Right. Because by, by constitution, we can only have 15 senior ministers. So, Helen McEntee was still a minister, but on maternity leave, so Heather Humphreys just took on an extra one on top of her. So, in, in the case of that happening, it should have been another minister should have got the entire portfolio because the minister well, was on maternity leave. Of course yes. they should. I but mean, you think Irish, do you think Irish companies should pay um, emplo- uh, employees who are on maternity leave um, at least some contribution to their salary rather than it being left up to the state. Apparently Irish companies are very poor about that. Of course they should. I mean, it should be set in, in a company law that, you know, maybe 50-50 or 60-40 between state and company. Now I know you will have problems in that some smaller companies. I was going to ask you that. I know of bigger companies that do it. Internationally, they're much better than us. Um, some companies internationally pay... Well, not, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm not down with everything Irish, but... Some I know, no, I just mean in the case of maternity and, and even paternity leave. I believe in a lot of the Nordic co- countries, you can choose to take your... to combine your maternity and paternity over the first three to five years of the child's life, like. So we have a lot, happy, we have a lot to do in that regard, don't we? Oh, we absolutely, we're a doubt. And I, I mean, it has to start from the top down. I mean, as I said, with Helen McIntyre, that was a disgrace. And no wonder women won't go into politics. I mean, some of the, the abuse seemingly they get is frightening from listening to some documentaries on that. Like. Yeah, I saw that recently with the amount of bullying or, or uh, nasty comments that are made or threatening behaviour. And not just from outside Leinster House either. Like, it's it's probably fairly endemic inside Leinster House with Who the knows? old boys. Who knows? Okay. All right. Thanks for that. Text okay. 0868 Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Keep those texts coming. Text 086-8104-106, particularly if you have a view on International Women's Day of some of the topics that have touched on, including women who thought about quitting their jobs, about key issues uh, facing uh, women, not just necessarily in the workplace, but the lack of women at management position or senior management. I don't know whether that will change with the new working arrangement in the world that we live in now, but also changes with regards to uh, perhaps improving maternity benefit and issues like that. I am aware of the gender-based violence that was never as bad. Childcare costs are a problem. Women's health care issues are also a problem. Housing, I mean, we talked an awful lot about uh, uh, women who are left to raise children on their own or have to leave domestic violence situations and can't get places in the likes of Edel House, issues like that. Um, and in, we, we, we do very badly, actually, as a country with regards to women who actually thrive in the workplace. Eastern Euro- European companies seem to do an off, countries seem to do an awful lot better than us. So your thoughts on that? Text 0868 104 Didn't get a chance to do this yesterday, but uh, Lisa Birmingham sent me some shocking photographs, not of her house. I believe it's the house adjacent to her up in Churchfield. Uh, and she joins me by phone. Now, the photographs are as bad as I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of photographs of uh, the state of houses and homes that people have to live adjacent to. Lisa, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Actually, I'm not sure whether it is just next door or whether it is actually is spilling into your house. So just talk me through. What am I yeah, looking at um, in the gardens? Just right next door to me. Um, a man moved out um, nearly a year ago. And he was very sick, God love him. He got put into another home like where he could be taken care of. 
and um, all his stuff from his house was dumped into the garden and just left her. Then everyone else started dumping bags in there when people were asleep and stuff, so it's kind of adding up all the time. The rats inside are like are the same size as pups. Um, they're running past my front door. They're running. You hear my children screaming outside, even when we we walk out ourselves. Um, they're running past us. Um, my, I have two little dogs, a little pup and the mother. And when the pup goes out, she comes in stinking of dead, and we have to open all the windows just to wash her alone, like. Um, there's something dead inside her as well. I'm ringing them for the last year, for t- and my neighbours are too. There's nobody getting back to us. Uh, some fella came in a truck, all right, and had a look, and he went away again. Um, he came in a truck, but didn't fill the truck, is it? Yeah, no, he just looked inside her, and he just drove off again, like, so. There's nobody why, coming. Why, to like, was it, was, it, was it just too uh, much for him, or what? I don't know. I honestly don't know, but it's disgusting. Like, it's horrible just to live next door to it. I can't leave out my dogs or anything, even if they run out and stuff. I just, it's unbelievable. Okay, it's, you know that, you're in Churchfield Square, so the house next to you that, with that elderly gentleman, that's a council house, is it? Yeah. And who, who threw everything out, who, who stripped it out and left everything in the front garden? It it looked like cleaners. It looked like, um, people that were helping him, like, um, I honestly really don't know who they were. And how long did the, how long has the gentleman gone? Uh, nearly a year, I'd say. And has anybody at all gone in to do up that house or to look no, at it? Or no one even touched it. No one looked at it. No one came near it. And there's children breaking the glass in the door and everything. There's just And there's children in even playing inside there. I'm constantly going out asking the kids to come out of the garden. There's rats in there. And it's just, and they're little children, like three years old, four years old, you know. Little babies, like, going in there playing, like, and constantly hunting them out there. Like. I mean, the question I'll be asked people listening to this is why are three year olds even allowed to be wandering around the estate or into uh, but, but that's what you get up here in the north side ah but that's not altogether very fair like but it is like it is what it is it, there is children down here like playing inside and it like they're coming down playing with mine because I've all small babies myself, small kids myself so they're all out there playing the whole lot of plays together like and you'll see them wandering in there I'm constantly in there asking them to come out do their parents the know neighbor. that they're? Do their parents know that they're playing amongst all of this? And uh, well, you know what? I gave up going to the parents. To be honest with you, Neil, I gave it, gave it up. I just, I just can't deal with them more. Even up for my own kids, okay. I, I, like I give up. Like what I'm. So like, what, what have we got here? We've got oh, there's um broken bike in there. There's uh, what is that? Is that a tumble dryer? Or, yeah, some sort of a yeah, fridge or something. Yeah, everything is everything. There is, there is there, beds, yeah. mattresses, and the mattresses that were in there smashed were, up furniture, uh, mattresses. Um, yeah. And you see the mattresses, they're ripped to big holes inside the mattresses. That's from the rats actually made them holes because there was no holes in their mattresses. They're, I think they're actually living inside there. They're running into my alley then. I can't go inside my front door and go into my alley or anything like that. I'm afraid of my life. You know, it's just, um, the parents of those children want to be aware that there are rats where their kids yeah. are playing as big as pups, yeah. as you say. And if they so get I'm bitten or they touch them. them. Yeah. yeah, I'm after being telling them, like, so. And they're just ignoring me. They're just, you know, so. All I can do is just look out, look out for them, really, when they're outside, you know. But this is a three... People are crying out for homes, and this is a three-bedroom yeah. home that's yeah. just going... To rack and yeah. ruin outside. Yeah. Windows are being smashed. Cares, like, kids are yeah. getting in there. That's going to be that. It, it's probably trashed already. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, the amount of dirt and it's, it's like, I, I know there's something dead inside there as well because when my pop came in, ran in out there, we, we caught her, like, and we brought her in and we had to open all the doors, like, like where we were watching her, like, because we couldn't stick the smell, we couldn't breathe. There could be was, dead rats like, in there or something? Or was, what? I don't know. It was like something sticky all over her coat, but it wasn't wet, it was just like sticky. And uh, but the smell that came off it was just unbearable. It was horrible. Lisa, have you kids? Yeah, I have six. You want to be very careful because um, I, uh, this is if your I'm dog like, brings in rats yeah, urine, for instance, yeah, right? I brush his heart teeth and everything. <laughs> like I just, but I'm constantly doing these things, you know. And it, like it's like I shouldn't have to. It should be clean. The dog should be able to run out. My kids should be able to go out there and be safe too, you know. But it's not like. Okay. What else, what else is in the front garden? There's obviously black refuse acts of somebody. You mean people are just using it as a dumping ground at night, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And the bushes then are grown over the front of the gate fencing that they have. And do people and the bags not care? Are thrown into that as well. Yeah. Obviously not, like because they're not living right next door to it. But do they not care that there's a family with six children, six children living next door? But that will just tell you. That will just tell you, like you know, tells me, like you know. It tells me, like, uh, my neighbours are lovely, we get on, we all get on, they are lovely all around her, like, for sure. When it comes to that, then, like, why, like, I don't know. Why am I seeing photographs of the interior of a house? Is that yours? That's inside my house, then, yeah. That's my next problem. Um, like, it's all, all my walls are black, uh, damp, mould, like, in, there's one wall in every single room. The only room inside the house is not damp is the sitting room. Your ceilings, uh, the whole place, your ceilings yeah, are going to collapse. My bathroom is destroyed in dampness. Like, um, and when I called someone out, he came out after four years. He came out two weeks ago, a plumber, and he said that it wasn't that. There was no leaks or nothing like that, even though I need my toilets constantly soaking. It made a hole in my bedroom downstairs, that big hole that you can so see. So why would he say there's not a leak? Yeah, he said that it's condensation. He said he never seen a house so bad. Like, and I was like, oh, like, what does that mean? I was like, because the water's pouring down from the back of the toilet, and uh, my bath as well. Like, when you when you when you fill my bath, the water comes down through my bedroom as well. Is that moulds that I'm seeing on the walls? Then? Yeah, it's destroyed. Like, and we're constantly going over, getting we got bin stuff, cleaning it, painting over it. Um, the same with the floors and stuff like that. I'm constantly replacing them. Like, and I feel like I can't move forward with it because there's no point. Because I'm going constantly going over the same things over yeah, and over. Lira, Lisa, you just need to get out of there, you know. Yeah, really? I, but I can't. But there's no exactly. But I can't. There's like another thing then as well. There's eight of us inside the house. Um, and it's a three-bedroom house. Like at the time when I got the house, my own, um, I was private renting at the time, and they were selling the house. So this was the only one that came up on the CBL. It was a four-bedroom, but really it's only a three-bedroom, and it's a kitchen cut in half. So like, we made a bedroom out of that downstairs. Say. And like I jump over my partner when every time I want to get out of bed and stuff like that. The house is just tiny, like for all of us, we can't fit anything into the house. We're all just we're all depressed inside her. Like it's just so small. And then you have all this dampness then down on top of us. And have you asked? Smell. Have you asked council to either sort it or to get you out of there? Yeah, to see what I'm doing at the moment because I met my uh, partner recently, uh, nearly two years now, and he's only after kind of moving in with me. So we're, I, I sent off the farms a couple of months ago for to put him on the rent uh, book first. So then I can move forward for to get a bigger house. But you know yourself when you're going for a bigger house, 
or something like that we want to change you have to leave the other one in good condition huh. but I'm trying to do that and I can't do it I can't put it into good condition you couldn't do that that would cost you tens of thousands of euros exactly every single wall is falling how old are those houses I, I actually don't even know like this house was actually belonged to my stepfather and the family like uh, it was idle for two years my youngest brother died they were all gone, all the brothers and sisters were gone. And my youngest brother passed away um, 10 years ago. My dad, my stepfather, was um, put into a, a, a smaller apartment. And this was idle for two years, but this was the only one that came up on the CBL, so I took it. Um, but yeah, like I was here when I was even small, like they're, they're over 30 years old anyway. Like. But probably beautiful homes back then. They're, yeah, definitely, like, but they're really no good now to live in. Like, this house should be condemned. Like, there sh- should nobody even live here. Like, like this house needs, uh, I don't know what it needs to be honest, which I just give up on it. Like, I I can't even move forward to my children's, like, um, I'm, I'm done up the, my two bedrooms upstairs for my children. And I'm afraid to go into the third one because I'm still doing the... The, the other two. It's a waste, of time. It's a waste of time you doing that yeah. because it'll just all come back again. Time, yeah, all time. my floors so, are rotted. I'm constantly putting down new floors. Um, the scorting boards are rotting on me. When you walk into my daughter's bedrooms, you can get a bad smell of mould. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how I leave my children sleeping there, but I have not got no choice. And well, and, and is there a day goes by that you don't see a rat? Uh, oh, every day, every day. Um, oh, at night time, my children record them out my out my back, out my back, because the man next door he have a big kind of a shed, but he never used it in years and years, and it's like um, all grown inside, you know, all kind of thorns and nettles and like they're living inside there. But they come, you know, if I throw a bit of bread up on top of my shed for the birds, don't do out that. the back, like you'll yeah, you'll see like loads of them running. Don't, like, I don't do, that do that anymore. I don't do it anymore. No but like this is what I'm telling you this is how we found out like and they were coming up in piles like babies big ones that goes around my bins like in families like the like rats six, the rats gather six, around your bins in families yeah, to about to about 16 to 17 rats running around my uh, bin you've seen time, you've like, seen that many rats around oh your yeah bin. definitely yeah and my next door neighbour he passed away last week um, and my other opposite side of me, um, and he was setting cages all the time for to catch, and he was catching them. Like um, I have pictures of the rats in the cages as well. It was just constant, they're constant in the garden and the front garden. Like and I'm afraid, like in case oh, something happens to one of the kids, like I would have thought you'd be prioritised straight away as a family of young children who yeah, have, sure a, who, no have a, cares, who have a rat like, infestation. Every, are they? Every, are the are the every, rats getting into the house? No, not yet, thank God. Every time I ring them um, about anything, oh, I'll take your name and number there and we'll get someone to contact you back. And I'm like, but I'm ringing you for the last four years about a load of different things and nobody's I'll tell you back, something, there are few me. enough people listening to this programme would stay in a house where there was rats. Yeah. Very few. You know, yeah, very few. But like, yeah, but it is what I have no right to if go any. to sleep. I know. You know, I have I know. no right to go. I know. Like. I know. Do you mind if I send on these photographs with the cover email to the housing department? No, no. I'm not saying that it will make a difference, but it may. Yeah. Like they're your landlords, like that. That. Yeah. To be to begin with, the, that 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 litter, that junk, that garbage, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Should be cleared. I, yeah, and if um, the plumber that came two weeks ago, he said that he'd be back, um, no, three weeks ago he called, and he was supposed to come back last week 
for to fix the hole in my bedroom from the toilet because it's right the toilet is right up off the hole like so he said that he'd, they'd come back and fix that it all leaks underneath my sink as well all my cupboards are rotting over it there's worms coming out from underneath my cupboard and all um, and I told him all about this he told me that it was something to do with my washing machine it needs a new washer so he put in a new washer and he went away and it's still leaking so like the water is still coming down underneath my sink so they done that and they came out and looked now he was a lovely man he was really nice very, uh, very, very nice to me. Like, and but he just—they they just never came back to me. Like, I'm still waiting. Like, and my whole house is falling down around me yeah. with rot and yeah. water and dampness. Also, the resident, the residents up around there should be aware that there are children playing in that house next door, yeah. which is infested with rats, and they need to know yeah. where their kids are because they're going to get. Uh, they're going to get yeah. poisoned, they're going to get sick. Someone would yeah. die from something like that. A small child gets a bite from a rat, so they might think it's a cat. Exactly. They might try and play exactly. with it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sure, yeah. okay. All right. Okay. Listen, uh, hopefully I'll be back to you and we'll get that banged off and see if we can get a response. Yeah, they're, they're, no your, they're your landlord, you know, and, uh, exactly. and, in, and in your case, because they're behaving you like slum landlords. The rent, if you stop paying rent for a couple of weeks for to get something done, that don't happen anymore. They'll keep, because it uh, happened with my father as well years ago. And they, they stop the rent now and they'll keep, leave this, leave it, leave it, leave it, go as much as they can and then they'll come down top you when you're two, three thousand euro and they still won't come and fix your damages. They still won't come and help, like. But they will prosecute only, you in court for the rent. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only reason that plumber came to me uh, three weeks ago was because we were here with no water for a whole week. Okay. I had no water in my house for, for my children, not in, but the next door neighbour was filling buckets, uh, kettles of water and stuff like that. So they ran okay. my water then from next door through a hose. They got that sorted. They had to dig out a hole outside. There was a stone stuck out there or something like and that. As well That's as, the only as well reason as ever, why you got a plumber. And as well as everything else, you had... What was probably a perfectly good home next door to you when that gentleman was moved to other accommodation yeah. that is now absolutely a rent. Dump. A dump. Yeah, a dump. Another good one gone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Let, let's get on that. I'll be back to you, Lisa. All right. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, no problem. All right. Cheers. Take Thank care you. for now. Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And do keep those texts coming. Yesterday we set up um, just a very quick Cork Ukraine GoFundMe. David Casey from Casey's Furniture gave, gave me 10,000 euro to pass on to the Irish Red Cross to help the Irish Red Cross teams on the ground in, in Ukraine. And we were attempting to see if Cork people would match that donation. Now, if you're under pressure financially, I understand that. Don't worry about it. But for those that haven't given already, say, for instance, to the Red Cross, and you were thinking about it, I would encourage you to give it to our GoFundMe.com forward slash Cork Ukraine Fund. You'll find it on a GoFundMe search and any couple of bob at all. The idea is to get it from €10,000 that we got from Casey's to €20,000 as quickly as we can, then to give to the Irish Red Cross. They'll take the money and know what best to spend it on. So if you can help out in that regard, we're trying to double Casey's €10,000 to €20,000. So if you can help, please do so. The Cork Ukraine Fund or GoFundMe. Uh, you can get further details on all Red FM and Casey's social media channels. So hopefully we'll be reporting good news on that in the coming days. International Women's Day today, and I've given you some of the stats and how difficult it is for women in many different aspects of the life. I know I've honed in somewhat with regards to the workplace. And I'm glad that I did, actually, because it prompted a call from Kim. Kim, good morning. Morning. Hi, good morning. Hi, hi. And you're, you're here in Ireland, but were born and reared in Malaysia. Is that right? Yes, correct. Okay, like what, Kuala Lumpur or somewhere like that? Or where was it? Uh, 
No, it was uh, it was in Penang. In Penang. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And when you when you came here, uh, just what, was it about fifteen years ago? Is it? No, I, I came here about six, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, and I was Wait. saying that I had my youngest boy 15 years ago. Ah, okay, in yeah. Malaysia. And, and, okay. Yeah, okay. And, and back then in in my office, we have an area which is special for all new mothers. You have a what? Work. Sorry, Kim, what do you have? A mother's room. So we call it a mother's room where, you know, all new mothers that is returning to work, the company fully support breastfeeding. So in that mother's room, we have full facility set up to support that. What facilities would be in that room? So we have individual cubicles. We have about 10 to 15 cubicles itself. So to cater for individual mothers and we can actually work there as well. So if you need like half an hour to an hour time uh, in that room to do your, you know, palm your breast milk, you can go to the individual cubicle, you set up your computer, whatever, and then you know, you do your palms. And then after that, you can actually store your breast milk in the fridge and freezer that is provided as right, well right. in the facility. Right. And we do have, you know, wash-up area like sink and uh, hot boy water, cattle buy it for you to sterilize your milk bottle and stuff. So when I was here, I was really surprised to find out from my colleagues that such facilities is not existing, you know, in the workplace. So, okay, so so I'm understanding you. It's not that mothers returning to work bring their babies to work to breastfeed them. No, No, it's not. It's to express the milk. Though we have, yeah. yeah. Okay. And though we have another company, we we have another company which my friends uh, work with in Malaysia itself. They do have a crash set up just by the factory. So you can just drop your one-year-old to two, uh, to four-years-old child by the crash and you pick them up after work. And so is that crash so provided by the company? Yes, provided by the company. And is it a free service for employees? I think so. I can't yeah. really remember, but I, I know it, it is supported by the company. It, if it is not free, it is sub- subsidised. But it exists, and, uh, it exists yes. firstly, and at best it's cheap and possibly free. Exactly. Yeah. So, Correct. so yeah. in in Ireland, then, where a woman goes back to work and is breastfeeding, what facilities does she have to use? Is it a toilet? That, that is why I was asking my colleague. <laughs> I was like, no, some of them just have to stop because they don't have the facility here. But some do use the toilet. But I don't think that is hygienic. You know. Some are forced to stop breastfeeding because yes. they can't express right, the milk right. in, a proper, in a proper surroundings or Correct. environment. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And look, all, all our managers here, uh, they're back home, were fully supportive. Uh, you know, when you're telling them, hey, I need to drop in into the mother's room for half an hour to an hour. They say, yeah, go ahead, because we are still contactable. We have, you know, we have Wi-Fi connection and everything in there. We can just bring our notebook in there and work from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it also it also begs the bigger question as to I know that the for instance the doll I believe you know the Irish Parliament has a crash mm-hmm. I'm told I'm I'm open to correction on that I've seen other world parliaments where women um, uh, politicians have brought babies to work and w- one or two of them I think it was possibly New Zealand 
they had babies in the chamber yeah um mm. and were were actually i think may have been breastfeeding um should should we move closer to that kind of environment do you think where where more and more companies should provide facilities where newborn babies or small babies can come to work i think they should uh which is good you know to support the women who are working now i i i know that one one of the text message that you receive the the person is saying, hey, if you want to be a mom, you know, concentrate to being a mom, which I feel that is totally wrong, right? Now, women well, the texter was saying, don't, yes. don't, don't pursue a professional career where you're dealing with the public in very important matters if you're going to be gone a lot of the time on maternity leave. That is totally wrong, right? New Zealand has a woman prime minister and she's one of the best leaders that we have seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What about crash facilities in the workplace, though, considering, I know I'm back to this point, but considering the cost of childcare is so, is so high. Yeah, the cost of childcare in Ireland is really, really high. <laughs> I wouldn't have a child in Ireland. Well, I think if the company, any company can support a crash, then, then that is a good, you know, at least a subsidi- subsidize. I, I mean, maybe having a facility buy a crash facility by the workplace. Because now it's like a second mortgage for a young family. It is. I was really surprised and shocked by by the prices as well. It's like I I can literally send my kids to, you know, like a private school back home with that kind of money. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Listen, thank you so much. Interesting conversation. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Kim. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back just quickly, if you don't mind. What have I got? I'm okay. Uh, Just back to uh, cost of diesel and cost of petrol. I'm a commercial fisherman and my boat is run on petrol. My bill last year for fuel per week was around 400 euro per week, plus around 200 for diesel. Now my bill will be 800 for diesel and petrol. This country wants to put us out of work and yet the government do nothing with regards to reducing excise or reducing VAT. Uh, is it true, Neil, that the government gets €1.20 from a litre of fuel, says Burr? Yes, it is true. Yes, it is true. Um, because a litre of fuel now is in and around €2. Euro. And from that, the government takes €1.20. Uh, electric cars are expensive and there's limited choice of models, says Ed. Who can afford an electric car? I got diesel in Mallow on Saturday, one seventy-five per litre. Today, it's one ninety-three, up $0.18 cent a litre. Um, You'll probably find that it's even gone up again since you sent that text, incidentally. So frustrated and angry about these increases, put aside the fact that we can barely keep our head above water at the moment. Anyway, with all of the increases, an electric car, people suggest, is just not accessible to us. We live in a terraced house with no driveway and parking only on one side of the road. How would we even charge it? Uh, If crude oil prices strongly drives pump prices, then why was crude oil in 2008... Uh, $147 a barrel and 121 a litre. Today, crude is €130 Euro a barrel and petrol is €2 Euro per litre. You see, some people are wondering, is there scalping going on? Is there opportunism going on? It's now costing me €25 Euro a week in diesel extra to get to work, which means I have to work another two hours overtime. Uh, morning, my son is a special school far away from her house and I have to drive him myself. Our weekly commute for school alone is... 840 kilometres. That's just the daily, when you add it up on a weekly basis, commute to school. 
840 kilometres. I also have another son who I have to drive to training, matches uh, and work. So I drive at least 1,000 kilometres per week. If I can't afford diesel, my son can't go to a special school. I applied for the special transport grant and was refused. I've had to appeal it and I'm waiting to hear. In the meantime... I have to pay full whack for diesel at two euro a litre. When we feel cold at home, I tell my children to put a blanket over their legs. I tell them put on a warm hoodie. We drink cups of tea to stay warm. We take hot water bottles to bed. We do not have hot water in our taps ever, only cold. And I have older sons. I have my older son's principal asking me for money to pay for his pre-exams now. I explained to him that I can't afford the 100 euro fee, but he said, couldn't you pay two euro per week? Two euro per week will buy me two boxes of breakfast cereal. Where is this all going to stop? Well, I tell you what, that's one of the most powerful texts I read out in a long, long time. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. New year, new number for Neil. 0818 Right, uh, tough country just to exist in at the moment, isn't it? Much of it, of course, of international pressures, I understand that. But a lot of it has to do with uh, how we do things ourselves or those that represent us. You're making great points. If they cut the tax on duty on fuel by 80 cent, they'd still be making 50 cent tax on it. This would, with this cut, would reduce the logistic costs so the price of food and clothing would come down as well. The government is raping the people of this country, yes. Because when you talk about the, pr- the cost of fuel, of course, it also impacts on the logistical infrastructure that gets food into our supermarkets or indeed even gets food produced in the first place. If you want excise and VAT on petrol and diesel and you want the government to sit up and take notice, talking isn't enough anymore. Do what the French and the Canadians did. Pick a peak time on given days and let everyone park and abandon their cars and protest in the streets. Good morning, Dara. Uh, he says, Mallow petrol, 198 for petrol, 199 for diesel. This is yesterday. I've never seen petrol cheaper than diesel. I'm a master's student commuting an hour to and from Cork every day, and the cost of fuel is crippling me. Some good observations there. 178 a litre yesterday morning for home heating oil in East Cork. 93 cent a litre 10 days ago. Really? 93 cent a litre of home eating all a week ago. 178 yesterday morning. Mother of God. I used to fill my tank for 56 euro only two months ago. It went from there to 76 in the first rise. Yesterday, 88 to fill it. I'm an apprentice electrician. It's tough going. And a 1.4 litre car. Well, from a fill two months ago of 56 euro to a fill now of 88 euro. Um, and one interesting one, because we have an awful lot of natural resources off the Irish coast. A question for you. How much did Ireland receive for the gas fields the country sold off to private companies? With all the natural resources we have in Ireland, we should be doing much, we should be much better off. We could pay our nurses a decent wage for a start. But it's the great Eamon Ryan who talks about climate change. Eamon Ryan is supposed to be using a pedal bike. How on earth is he able to get a fuel allowance? Uh, It's great. It's brilliant. We all want to look after our climate. But it's great for politicians to bring in all these regulations um, but still get mileage. I don't know whether um, Eamon Ryan Ryan actually takes the mileage, I can't say. Uh, The biggest problem is we can't afford to buy an electric car in this country for a start. Even if we could, we don't have the infrastructure to cope with everyone changing over to electric. Let's just say we all bought electric cars. What do you think runs the power we get electricity from? 
gas, we burn gas, we burn oil. We're screwed. I can tell you if the international companies in this country uh, were complaining about the price of petrol, um, sorry, that doesn't make any sense. We Irish people have very short memories. We have a two-party country, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. If we get rid of one, we're stuck with the other. For the size of this country, our politicians are the best paid on the planet. Why am I angry? Because our government has lost any connection with reality. They haven't a clue how people living in Ireland really struggle. This isn't just because of oil and gas, but at least people's eyes are being opened. Uh, We're being screwed year in, year out. It will never change. We keep voting the same people, we keep voting the same parties, and we keep expecting different outcomes. Well, I go back to the texter earlier on, who's got a weekly commute of a 1,000 kilometres a week, and 840 of that is just driving their special needs son to and from the special needs school. The children are told to put blankets over their legs, put on warm hoodies, drink hot tea to stay warm, and take hot water bottles to bed. I get that years ago many of us had hot water bottles, or hot jars as we used to call them, and I get that, I guess that some people had, uh, um, you know, coats down on the bed to keep them warm. But I would have thought that we've moved on from that and the society is a better place now. The way we're living these days, I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Mohammed, good morning. Good morning, sir. You want to pick up on the cost of fuel? Yeah. Okay. Um, and and t- is this home heating or is it petrol and diesel or what? No, home heating, like a home, uh, oil for heat, uh, home heating, like. Okay, um, and have you got a fill recently? Actually, uh, I usually I order by 150 to 100 euros. Yeah. And uh, I moved to the house, uh, to a housing last month, and they told me just buy by 100 euros. Uh, oil because we're gonna change the system of the heating in ha- the house uh, like uh, shortly. Okay. I said fine. Um, they didn't change it because some some reason. Uh, and uh, I tried to order oil again, <coughs> and they told me we should wait uh, two to three weeks. I say I have two kids. I have short. Uh, after one two days, I'm gonna be short from the oil from the house. How my kids is ten months uh, old and uh, two years old? They're gonna spoil this cold in this in this time. Of the okay, year. one is ten months old, the other is two. I just I just want to back up again. Um, you you say you moved into a new home and there's a problem with the boiler. Is it like is it who provided the house? No, it's not a problem with the oil. Just just they they say they're gonna change the system of the heating for the houses to the uh, electric pipe like. Okay. And who and provided the, who provided you with the home? Uh, the Tua Housing, they call, like a connection with the Cork uh, uh, County Council. Okay, but it's a county council home. Okay, so they yeah. said you can move into it, but don't use the heating system. No, they don't. No, no, they didn't say they didn't don't use it. They, I use it. Just they say don't buy too much oils because you don't you don't need it. We're gonna cho- change the heating system. So you're gonna lose the oil when they change the yeah, system. Yeah. And so, okay. So and, change it from oil to electric, like. Okay. And when do they say they're gonna do that work? Actually, I I just think them this morning. I'm waiting for them answer. Like you know, they say shortly. Just uh, they didn't uh, give me time. Like. And have you run out of oil? Uh, no, I have a small oil actually. Uh, just I try I try to ring to order more oil. 
because like you know because I don't have enough uh, in the tank maybe for one two days more and that's it. So and uh, they uh, they surprised me to say you should give two uh, two to three weeks notes and you should order by three hundred euro and you need to pay now for it if you wish to order it. And I say maybe uh, now I don't have three hundred euro in my hand. Just I can uh, uh, order two hundred euro. They say two hundred euros too less money. Oh my God! You mean an oil company that provides oil for home yes. heating in people's homes is saying that there's a three-week delay? You have no, to pay. No, I, you have to pay up front, and they'll only yeah. accept orders of three hundred euro or more. Yes, because oil is getting expensive, very expensive, and you should order for three hundred euro or more. I actually, I, I try to complain. I go to guard the station. I say, if I short from the oil, you should. Uh, give me one room to keep my kids there till I get my oil because I, my kids they don't support to stay in a cold house for two weeks. Yeah, that age. Yeah, so it could and be. We so can't do nothing. I wonder if anybody else's experiences of home heating company providers who are saying that to customers. There's a three week delay. You have to pay up front, and we only accept orders of three hundred euro or more. Good God! I mean. I, I, I'm, maybe a lot of people buy 300 or 400 euro. Maybe they buy and fill the tank. I don't know. But why would you have to pay up front and wait three weeks for it to be delivered? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know when the council are going to do the work on the boiler, of course. So if you buy 300 euro worth of oil and they turn up next tomorrow, they'll yeah. dump your oil. That's true, yeah. And you don't have that kind of money to throw around? Yeah, actually. <laughs> All right, you know, man. It's, it's something it's com- like it's complicated. Like, you know, I, even even I ask them, we are in the war. Why did, should no say in the media we, st- we start war everywhere, <laughs> like to understand, to keep like uh, things before the sort, like this. Like now it's oil short. Like what I understand is oil shorting. <laughs> because if you wait two, three weeks, like you are in the war. Like you are in the war in the moment. Like, you know. It's like as if we're at war. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like if you feel like it's like this. So you should go buy more things for the houses to, to make sure everything you keep extra inside the house I know okay. I know I know. I, I don't know I don't know what to tell you pal I really don't like I mean for yeah. you you would think you could get a it's, fill it's of not just my, my problem maybe like a thousand people in Ireland they have they get same situation uh, same problem okay okay uh, okay uh, today, like, let, me, let me find out thank you Mohammed. thanks for calling text 0868104106 if you have any story similar to that one Dan good morning good my man you wanted to pick up on the cost of the barrel of oil is it yeah, it's just I was listening to the, the news there the other night and they were saying the, the cost of the barrel is 138 or $39. What is, what is a barrel of oil now? Because I remember when it was below $100. Is it 114 now or what? It's heading that direction. I think it's 138 or 9 I think. It's it's max, or it's or matching the price back in 2008 we'll okay. say, when we're in the middle of the Iraq you know, conflict that time, you know? Okay, okay. And, and, and do you recall the, during, in the in those days... When do, when the barrel was one hundred and forty dollars, how much was a liter of petrol? 
it could have been up around the 130 mark, but not above that. I, I'd be more diesel on myself. I know diesel was about 120 or 119 or 180. Okay, so 119 so, in 2008 for the same cost of a barrel of oil. Yeah, and I know the barrel of oil did rise to 145 to 148 after that, even in 2008 at the end of it. And that was, you know, so it has gone higher. But, like, I've never paid more than than that for my diesel. You know that kind of way than, than what I'm paying now? I, I never paid too So years. who's making the profit here, please? I don't know. I don't know. Is it down to inflation, Neil, or what the hell is this? Or, but it can't be, I suppose. It, I mean, it, it's going somewhere, like, if... The cost of pumping it is exactly the same, obviously, for the barrel. Like, so and they say that the petrol stations make tiny amounts. They might make a, a, a cent or two on a litre or something. Yeah, it's, it's quite tight. I would say their margins are quite tight. Well, yeah, More they say they make it on coffee and sandwiches and lottos and fags and things. I think, I think, I think if, if it's big volume, fair enough. But they're, drawing, they're just drawing their customers in with the, with the aisle to get their, their sales on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it, it's huge. I, I don't think inflation's going up. You know, you're talking about maybe 60 or 70% inflation. Inflation hasn't gone up that much in, in the last 12 or 14 years. I wouldn't think so, anyway. You know, is it a cost of transport of the aisle into the country, or is it wages for people under I don't think I'm going to try and get an answer to that from an economist or somebody in the know as to why in 2008, when the cost of a barrel of oil was $140, same as it is now, diesel was €1.19. It's a fantastic yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is kind of a strange one, fair as there's a, there's a discrepancy someplace. You know? I suppose, Neil, I suppose the biggest fear, though, is, you know, say I'd be in the agri side of things, and the problem coming down the line is, we'll say, you know, the cost of, of producing food now is, is going to go through the roof in this country. Besides your your your, your standard inputs, like, you know, but your machinery costs, your fertilizer bills have gone high as well. And, I mean, it's going to get a little bit more serious than what it is right now. And prices you know, are going up all of the time in supermarkets. There's a report in the papers this morning. Looked at Tesco and Dunn's and Aldi and Lidl yeah. and Super Value, and all of the arrows were going upwards. Yeah, and it's only we'll say just just on my own side of things. I bought fertilizer with we'll say maybe I don't know five weeks ago, and uh, we we'll say I brought in maybe twenty tons with we'll say, but that's gone up two hundred euros a ton in the last. I suppose maybe maybe two and a half to three weeks. What are you talking. using it for? Do you mind me asking? It's, it's just for grass growth. It's just for, to, to promote grass growth. That's all it is. Dry for your grass for, for milk, like an organ. For your cattle, for milk, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just milk. But I mean that that increase. That's it was a bill of last year of nine and a half thousand gone to sixteen thousand, which would be twenty thousand today. Had I bought the stuff today, like you good know. God, has the price so, of milk gone up accordingly then? Uh, the price of milk has, it actually has stabilised quite high. I mean, it would have been, uh, I suppose it would have been sitting at about 32 cents a litre, maybe, or maybe 35, maybe a year and a half ago. And it's up around the mid-40s right now. So it's actually gone up. I can't complain on that front now, Neil. It has gone up. But, I mean, everything has gone up pro rata with it, you know. So um, it, it will be a problem down the line, I suppose, you know. Okay, okay. Okay, anyway, good question you pose. And thank you for it. Appreciate it, Dan. Good luck to you all. Morning to you all in, in Mitchellstown. It's an interesting point. Anybody else with stories to share with regards to home heating oil deliveries? Delays, paying up front, minimum orders, things that never existed before. Uh, text 0868104106. Just a quick one this side of the break. I think Damien. No, I'll come back after the break. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Just a tip for you there, Mohammed. Somebody's saying that you can get a drum yourself, go to the local garage and fill it with kerosene, even if you're doing it on a daily basis. Um, And that way you won't need to be getting a delivery. Karen, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Have you got a similar type story with regards to, is this home heating oil? It's home heating oil, yeah. Um, again, we we looked into ordering our normal kind of monthly orders that we would, you know, every three months. Um, but it said price only on call, you know, that we had to call them to get a price. Um, so we were happy to go with them, but we didn't realise when we ordered it that there was such a backlog. We like because usually it's the next day or the day after you'd get the delivery. Yeah. Um, but uh, when we rang to inquire, we were told that there's such a backlog that it could take two to three weeks. And when we told them, like, we have a two-year-old in the house, we have no heating other than a fire, you know, with our back boiler. Now, we're lucky that we have a back boiler, that we can heat the rads at night time, you know. But it's still costing a whole pile in fuel with coal and wood and everything. You're lucky um, that you have that. Yeah, exactly. But again, it feels like we're going back to the old age of using the fire, you know, Um, because we can't even heat our water, you know, without using the fire now um, because the heating isn't working. But again, we were told like that, that we can use the drum and the kerosene at the pump station. Um, But it's it's great if you have that extra money, but when you pay €350 towards you know, getting your oil and then having, like, we filled up 66 litres yesterday, which cost us over 100 euro. Um, so that's not... So have you gone to a pet, have you gone to a garage for it? I We went to McGuckian Soil and Carry Tool and they seem to be the cheapest around at the moment by 20 cents a litre. Um, but again, that's who we ordered with and they just don't have the supply. It's, it seems to be a supply issue at the moment. Okay, now let me just ask you a question here. I got a text here from somebody who says this is another East Cork text. Uh, One seventy-eight per liter this morning for home heating oil. It was ninety-three cent per liter ten days ago. Is yeah, that? Is that? It was one fifty yesterday. And what was it last month? It, again, it was down near the one euro. Okay, and are you being told that you have to pay up front and wait for a delivery that could take three weeks? We, when we ordered it, uh, we were told that uh, they needed to take payment up front. Um, so we ordered it, but we weren't told that there was such a backlog until we called and asked again. Okay, so you have now paid how much? €350 Euro for when, 200 litres. Okay, €350 Euro for 200 litres. When will that arrive? We still don't know. Were you told that that was the minimum order? Yes. Did they say why it was a minimum order of 350 euro? Were you ever asked that before? No. No. Um, I I just didn't question it um, at the time, but I certainly will going forward now. I mean, we can't get our money back and we can't go to another company until, you know, we get our oil. So we'll definitely be switching in the future, but... Yeah, I don't know. Mohammed Mohammed is in the very same predicament as you, and he's not in East yeah. Cork. So you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the the issue is at the moment. Um, but certainly, it seems to be that bit cheaper down here 
because um, I, I looked all over to see, you know, price comparison. And it definitely seems to be that little bit cheaper down okay. in the east, the east supply. Well, that's some consolation, albeit you still don't have it and won't have it for a few weeks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, listen, thank you for that, Karen. I'd love to hear from other people in a similar scenario just to see how prevalent or how much of a problem this actually is. Uh, so do get in touch. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Linda standing by. First up, Dave, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Have you heard of this? Um, I mean, this kind of delay in minimum orders, is is that perfectly normal? What? Well, I ordered, I ordered in the last two weeks and I was told it would take two weeks to get delivery, 500 litres, and I got it within the two weeks. But um, when, when the driver arrived, and, and to be fair, I didn't have to pay up front, I paid after I got the oil. And uh, when the driver arrived, I noticed there was room in the tank for another 100 litres and I asked him, would he give me 600? And he said, no, there's a, min- or a maximum order of 500 litres. There's a shortage then, clearly? Yes, okay. clearly, yeah. And is the shortage of oil and the shortage of petrol and things like that all related to the Ukrainian war. Like, they haven't cut off supplies from Russia, so why why, why is there a shortage? Uh, I'm not too sure about that. Maybe maybe they're keeping it back in, in the event of a shortage coming. I'm not sure. Well, they, haven't tur- they haven't turned off the pipes, though. No, no, no. Okay, but, okay. But, but the cost factor, um, in December I had got 600 litres for 500 euros. And uh, I ordered last week, I got 500 litres for, um, the same amount. The same amount of money, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Because I was so, shocked when I heard that somebody said 93 cent a litre 10 days ago, 178 this morning. That's yeah, a hundred. Yeah, that's yeah. nearly 100% if that's accurate. That's an increase, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah I got 100 litres less for the same price. You weren't asked about a minimum order, but you were certainly told about a maximum. No, not, not when I ordered. To be fair, I ordered 500 litres because I thought that's all the tank would take. But when the driver came, he gave me my 500 yeah. litres. I looked in the tank and I said, yeah, I get another 100 in there. So I said, will you give me another 100 litres? He said, I can't. It's a maximum order of 500 litres. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Linda. Good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Okay. Here's, okay a big pri- here's a big price jump. Yeah, go ahead. I agree with that, chap. We ordered oil. We're here in West Cork. We ordered oil, not last Friday, but the Friday before. We knew 500 litres-ish would fit in. They told me, yes, there would be a delay, but he did have the courtesy to ask me, had I got oil in the tank? In other words, was I out of it? I said, no, I have some. There's no panic. I got the oil yesterday at the price that I ordered it at, which was 500 litres for 550 euros. Right. Now, when the chap came with the delivery yesterday, there would be maybe another little bit fit in. But again, he agreed it's 500 litres, 500 litres only, which was fine. That was grand. I got it. I paid COD. I didn't have to pay in advance. Paid COD cash for it. He gave me the 500 litres for 550 euro, which was the agreed price on ordering it. But if I hadn't agreed a price when ordering it, yesterday's half 500 litres would have been 730 euro. Mother of God, isn't it? Aren't you lucky you didn't ask for it and say, well, prices have changed? But you see, my point being... Because some people, some people could it. say, well, we'll deliver it, but you, when we deliver it and put it in your tank, that's the price you'll pay on the day. And I totally agree with that. But when I ordered it at 550, I asked, now that my order has gone in, can I have it at this price? And they said, absolutely. Because it wasn't my fault that there was a delay in the ordering. 
if you get my logic. I 100% get your logic. And also, just doing the little bit of maths on it, you pay just over a euro a litre for it, whereas now, yeah. if this text is correct, it's 178 a litre. Yeah, 550 last Friday week, paid, agreed, etc. Uh, 730 would have been yesterday for the 500 litres. And also, we have a regular driver here. He's the same guy that has been delivering since Adam was a boy. And he said it doesn't pay them to drive, say, 20, 30 kilometres to deliver 50 litres of oil. It, it just wouldn't pay. Even before this price hike, even back back last year, like you have to have, you have to make worth their while to travel, say, 20, 30 kilometres to pay your to pay the to pay the man it doesn't pay I, I, you know I can see it I can see the point they're making but at the same time not everybody who is strapped and many are can find four or five hundred euro to put five hundred litres of oil in a tank you know and again I totally agree but what the driver said was we'll say six seven houses in the same location in the same area I pay them if they just got together and said right Neil will take 50, Joanne will take 50, Linda will take 50, and they're all on the same run. Yeah, yeah. Well, then it would pay him. But I do see his logic in saying, even back in the day before this bullshit price hack ever hit, price hike, I should say, before that ever hit, it wouldn't have paid them to deliver. No, because they've, they're putting diesel in their trucks that they're paying two euro a litre for now to bring you the oil, you see. Absolutely. Or they would have been paying a lot less than that. The driver yesterday even said they are up the walls. They're working six days a week now to deliver oil. But as I say, if you ordered it at the cheaper price, they are sticking to that. They are agreeing with that. They're honouring that. Well, that's something at least. Thank you so much. You were very to the point, very succinct. Thank you very much, Linda. Cheers. It's Linda, Dave and Karen. Text 0868104106. Regarding the 20,000 Ukrainians that will be arriving over the next few months and those who have already arrived, what kind of financial support has the government put in place? What is their plan, says Jim? Well, to answer that question, I mentioned it earlier on this morning, the cabinet are discussing at the moment that Ukrainian refugees that would come here and arrive in Ireland, so far um, we have uh, in and around 1,800 to 2,000 that have arrived, and around about 500 arriving daily by all accounts. Um, Those refugees who will stay here for whatever period of time will be given a PPS number, will be given income supports and child benefit. Uh, plans being considered by ministers at the moment. Um, the child and family agency TUSLA will also be available to those arriving uh, from the Ukraine. Now, I know that uh, a story like that will get some people's noses out of joint who can't get any of those services or can't get the help that they're needed. Uh, and that makes it a very divisive society in that regard. But that answers your question. PPS, income support, child benefit and available um, uh, and available consultation with with Tusla, that's that's to begin with. Um, what, what's actually bizarre is the way the United Kingdom are, have, are handling this. Uh, I think you know we've had two thousand visa-free Ukrainians uh, arrived in in Ireland so far, and in the UK they have taken fifty, because in the UK they're not in the European Union anymore, so they have their own rules and laws. And I don't mean to be unkind or cruel, but what they are making Ukrainians who arrive, um, say for instance, at the Polish border, do. Or even if they get as far as France uh, and want to come to stay with rel- 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 relations or family members in the UK, they're making them when they get to Paris or get into the west coast um, or the east coast, west coast of France to come to. They're making them go all the way to Brussels. They're making them travel two hundred miles 
to apply for a visa in Brussels to get into the UK because Ukrainians who are coming for aid to the UK need to be processed for a visa. They don't here, but the UK is very different about it and much more strict. That's why we've taken 2,000 and the UK's taken 50. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number, 0818-104-106. And by text, um, uh, this is to do with a question. It's a disgrace, the acid attack, and I feel for the lads involved, but I can't believe the guy's out on bail. He has ruined the lives of two brothers, yet he can still go to work and go about his business. Um, there's very little I can say about that, actually, because there are people before the courts, and everybody is entitled to um, plead in court, whatever way they so, so choose. We have to allow a court case to take its course, as I say. Somebody else was saying, I don't know why you are so shocked about an acid attack. It's very easy to buy acid. Now, I've been asked not to say what you can buy or the names of it, but apparently things that can do damage if you throw it to some, at somebody or things that can do damage if you ingest it by way of it being called acid is quite easy to buy, apparently. Um, and uh, it would be different products that many people use on a daily basis. So that's interesting. But what I do know is, yes, there was a, a man, what I can say that a man has been charged in connection with the alleged acid attack uh, on a man, which has left him blind in one eye now. Um, and But the, he was granted bail. And, and that's what one of the texters was saying. Can't believe that somebody would be out on bail. Yeah, out on bail because we'll wait for a court appearance at which stage at which stage justice will take its course guilty or not guilty but there was some very strict conditions imposed on granting bail by the judge a bond of 700 euro that he has no contact direct or indirect with any of the alleged injured parties their immediate family or witnesses that he must stay away from Balafihan and Toker those areas of the city and remain under curfew between 9 o'clock in the evening and 6 o'clock in the morning at home in Nocknahini, uh, that he cannot leave that address without giving 24 hours written notice to the Gardaí, who must have a current mobile phone number that he's available on all of the time, that he must sign on at his local Garda station three times a week, and on that basis released on bail, uh, with the case adjourned until the 12th of May. So fairly strict bail conditions there. 24 hours notice given to Gardaí, sign on three days a week, give a mobile number that he can be contacted in at any time. Fairly strict bail. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Vincent, good morning. Hello. All right, what are we talking about? Fuel prices, isn't it? No? You want to talk to me, Vincent? Yes, good morning. Yeah, go ahead, uh, pal, go ahead. Near, if you walk down from your own house, down to the village in Douglas, you'll see the K garage below yeah. charging 208 for petrol. Saw it this morning. Now, would that be the very fancy petrol, I was wondering? Actually, there's no such thing as fancy. It's all coming from the same place. Yeah, but one of them is greener than the other. It's better, kinder to the car and kinder to the environment. Is that uh, the one I that's... Think that's, only a, that's only a joke. <laughs> that's only a joke. Their prices there since last Saturday morning. They're probably put it up again today now. It's probably gone up since. But if the price went down in the morning, they'd take a month to bring the price down. That's the record with all these people. Why is it? Okay, why is there a shortage? I mean, we're going to have to drill into this more. Why is there a wait, like, for instance, people waiting three weeks for home heating oil? Well, that's crazy as well, I suppose. That's only a gimmick, like, to put the price up. I mean, it's still flowing. You said it yourself there while ago to somebody. It's still flowing out of Russia, the oil and the gas. So why is it going up every other day? The cost to transport it, maybe? I don't think so. But 
lost him. All right. Don't know if it was uh, possible to get him back again. Perhaps we will. But interesting point. Many people feel that it's uh, there's some unanswered questions as to why it goes up so fast and so often. Is there profit being made from it? Text 0868104106. Not pick up on that conversation in the morning. Can I just say the Red FM Casey's GoFundMe is now past fifteen thousand euro. The idea is to uh, double the amount of money that Casey's gave me yesterday. They gave me ten grand. So the idea was to double it to twenty grand. And if you want to, then you can just search GoFundMe uh, and look for the Cork Ukraine appeal and give what you can afford. Um, line two is uh, Gary. Gary, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. What's on your mind? Um, I just, as I was just talking there, um, I was just listening, and the, the lady that was, I suppose, coming on about the cost of living and the cost of fuel driving her her son to school. Uh, a thousand kilometres a week. She's driving. Yeah, and, and I suppose just. I suppose it's just a general point on it is that, uh, like, I suppose this month is the topic of the cost of living. Last month it was the healthcare system of waiting lists and all this. And then next month then it's probably going to be something else. And I suppose my point was the people who are actually making the decisions and who, who could actually improve this, are they actually listening to what the general public are, are talking about? As in, are they actually listening to, to, the, to the problems? And... What and the general public have kind of no forum to, I suppose, to help, to make them accountable for what they're actually doing or, or what they're not doing. That like we we seem to say the taxpayer seems to just have to go along with with what, whatever they're doing and that's it. You, you know, see, like, yeah, you see what 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 we also need to remember is that long before the price of petrol and diesel went up, the price of home heating went up and the price of energy costs went up and electricity went up. Everything went up. You remember all of those swinging increases last year? So people are already dealing with all of that. Now, added to this fact, you've got a woman who travels a thousand kilometers a week bringing a special needs child to and from. I mean, how much would that cost her if, say, for instance, you got, uh, if let's say, would you get four hundred? Would you get four hundred kilometers on a fill of petrol in a, rev, in a an average car? Would you get more? I say average, yeah. Okay, so if you got four hundred kilometers, that's um, that's two and a half fills. That's eighty hundred. That's two hundred and fifty euro a week. It's insane, like, isn't it? Yeah, but like the, the, this, is, this is my point. Like, I, like we say. Are the, the politicians, are, are the people who can, who can, who can, we say, reduce this cost, can help the people, are they even listening? But they're not they're, listening because if they were yeah, listening, I, I this is Tuesday, they would have, last Friday, they'd have reduced the excise VAT, excise and VAT on it. They'd have done it straight away. But this is, this is my second point, is that we say the general public don't have, a, I suppose, a forum for, for them to listen, we say, to, to speak out and to, for the, the politicians to to be able to listen to them, like they're never they're never held accountable for anything. There's never a, a um, you never you never hear how they're going to solve these problems. It's, it's it, it, they're all talk, and they take no action on anything. And f- like forty out of them, forty forty or more of them won't be around next week. You know, that, that's I was I was just going to come on to that again. Like um, how many of how many how much will will, will each of those trips cost, and how much. How much of that money would would go towards, like we said, I think it was last month. It, there was uh, waiting lists and all this again in the hospital. There's a million people in a hospital waiting yeah, list now. Like, a quarter of a million more children. How 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 much of those trips? We said the cost of those trips help. We say for some young child to have an operation that they're waiting on for two years. 
you know, e- even if the, if those 30, 40 trips, that 30 or 40 kids who, who, who could have those, we say, life-changing operations paid for instead of instead of going away and get, trying to get a, a GoFundMe page going to, to solve this problem or yeah. to get treatment or for, you know, pay for some counsellor to help some, some young man or young girl or anything like, you know, but like, they're never held accountable. Yeah. Never, like, there's no accountability with them and like, they seem to just drift along and get away with everything. And Why is it that they can react so quickly to a humanitarian crisis and say, we will take 20,000 misfortunate people from the Ukraine, we'll give them a PPS number, we'll give them um, a children's allowance, we'll give them um, social welfare payments, and they can do all of that and decide on that in a couple of days. But yet they can't decide to reduce the cost of excise. They're taking 126 from every litre of petrol. Why can't they do that as fast? Why? I think, like... I Is think it they, because they know we're stupid or we're sheep or we'll just no, tolerate no, what? I, I think, uh, we'll say, they, sh- they should be doing it, right? Because like, you, you have to help out someone when, when they're in a, in a bad situation. And I, no, I'm not but, disputing that. But, and yeah, I think yeah, it is but right. I, but I, I'm saying... I, I, I think it's a, I suppose, a worldwide image. That's what they're going for. That Ireland are, are doing this. We're taking in 30,000 is great. But then... We'll say the people in Ireland then are forgotten about. I think you know it, it just looks great that Ireland are, are doing this, and they can, like as you said, like flick of a finger, and they they can take in twenty thousand, no problem. Yeah. yeah. But, but then we we'll say um, a, a kid in hospital has to wait two years for um, a, an operation. I don't know to, for whatever because there's there's there's, there's no one backing that kid for for that operation. We we'll say you know like there's no public outcry. Uh, uh, about it. Why do we Why do we tolerate it? Somebody said earlier on that we just do the same thing time and time again. Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, expect different results. Think, I, Shin, I think Sinn Féin would do any different? Do you think they'd make a difference? Well, we only know if they if they, if they were in power. That's, that's the only way we'd know. Like, and isn't you know, that what everybody's saying? In fairness, you know, you, you do have your finger on the pulse because anybody that I ask about whether or not they'd give Sinn Shin Féin a punch, they're saying, we won't know unless we at least try. Try them once. Yeah. Then we'll know soon enough whether they're the same as Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, won't we? Exactly, because we've, as you say, we've gone through Fianna Gael, we've gone through Fianna Fáil, we've gone through the, the roundabout, back around again, and it's the same results, same thing, nothing has changed. Healthcare system is still the same situation, if even worse. Uh, mental health uh, is is gone through the roof. Uh, facilities to to help that not non-existent. Women, women uh, and children who flee domestic violence um, have nowhere to go. Exactly, same thing. You know, like yeah. we we're, okay. we're, we're going around around about, and not, nothing has changed. So why not give them a, a chance? And. Uh, it, if it, if it works out, great. Do you know, at least at least we are. Sorry, if it, if it doesn't work out, at least we give it a chance. And Hello. I don't know what is we'll do then. Fair play to you. You've covered a lot of ground there, Gary. I'm obliged to you for your contribution, Vincent. Is that any better? Yeah. Yeah. Just yes, okay. Yes, just finish your yes. point anyway. Garages are putting up the prices time after time after time. Putting yeah. up the price, but if, it, if the price comes down next week, they'll take about a month to bring down the price. They're so cute, you know. They're screwing the people right, left and centre, just like the government and, and the Screen Party with their 6% coming up now in May for carbon tax. What do they think the people are? 
Because they seem they're going to get the money. Especially the poor and the old people. Ah, but they're giving you 200 euro off your next bill. Ah, but sure they give me that, they give me that two, uh, two birthday heaven as well. What give kind of game is that like? A man with 3,000 a week. In the name of God, what does any man uh, get 3,000 a week for? And all the other uh, XT shocks. So they're screwing, the, they're screwing the country themselves. Is that what an XT shock p- uh, pulls for the rest of their life? Three grand, is that That's a week? right, yeah. 3,000 a week, but they haven't getting. And he's going to get 200 next week, now the week afterwards. And the poor person that hadn't got their breakfast, or the bit of heating in the house, and old people. I mean, what kind of game are they playing? Yeah. They're giving free cars, as I said to you earlier. They're giving free cars now and drivers to every junior minister, so he won't be able to pay anything for petrol anymore. Oh, that's right. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that. They rolled out the drivers to uh, to junior ministers and others as well, rather than just the top table, didn't they? But now, when did you last see a guard walking around Douglas Village? I'm living in Douglas for 26 years. I've never seen a guard walking around Douglas. And they're putting all the all the guards now in behind lovely big cars. No, I may not. I have to say now, in defence, I have to say I may not see a lot of them walking around Douglas, but I see squad cars around the place all of the time. Push the one. They're too lazy to get all the bloody cars. They're not. They're not lazy. What are you talking? Why? Why do you personalise it against members of the Garda Shikona? They're not lazy people. I love the guards. I have great friends in the guards. Yeah, all my life. Yeah, but they're not all my life. In, in Limerick and Waterford and Cork, I I know all the superintendents. I mean, I love the guards. There's just but not they, enough. They, they, there's just not enough of them. Yeah, but or, they should be walking around. They should be walking around the or, villages. Or, well, if there were more of them, yeah, and and some would say and could be quite critical of the amount of guardy that engage in traffic duty or the amount of guardy that involve in involve in speeding and penalty points and things like that 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 should be yeah. privatised you know they shouldn't be doing that should, kind yeah. of stuff of course it should because uh, I tell you know I, uh, I'm sitting in my car now and talking waiting for my wife there she's her, her friend and I see people pass me every two minutes on their phone well if if, 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 if a guard sits in a car the same as I'm sitting now at the moment they'll see more than a guard with a uniform because when they see the uniform coming, they'll drop the phone. And that's what's wrong. I see them every day, yeah, lorry yeah, drivers, van well. drivers, heads bobbing up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they're even coming out of the shopping centres now and they're on the phone straight away. Why they can't make a phone call before they leave the shopping centres, I cannot understand it, whatever. I know. I, I, I wonder is it that some people that you see doing it are in trucks and vans? And there's, I saw it the other day going down towards the tunnel. There was a shock and traffic jam Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah. I saw a few fellas. Yeah, dreadful. But I saw a few fellas in vans and they were clearly texting. And I, I was saying, Mother of God, like, would you, if I was a cop next to you, man, you're done. But I bet you they might have been late and they were backed up with deliveries. And they were literally trying to text ahead to let people know they were running late. You know, I'm not making an excuse for them. But yeah. I don't think I don't think they were doing any kind of uh, spot betting or anything like that or putting down odds on a soccer match kind of thing, you know? Neil, no, I can not, barely hear you. I'm not making I excuse for them. I tell you why, right. there's, a show, there's a show of God falls coming down on top of me here. <laughs> you probably can hear it. <laughs> I'll let you get on, Vincent. Enjoy the hailstones, pal. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818 104 106.
They're saying, actually, I was just reading it this morning while we were chatting there during the ad breaks. So why is fuel so expensive? One of the main reasons that fuel has gone wreck is because of the American threat or the world threat on a ban of Russian oil. It's not a ban of Russian oil yet, but it's the threat of it. Like they're saying online, the threat of a ban on Russian oil imports is putting more pressure on oil supplies across the board, sending crude price rocketing. Like that doesn't actually answer the question. You know, a threat of a ban on Russian oil is sending crude prices through the roof. Why? Um, like, is, like, why? Is, are they stockpiling it? Or why are they, what are they saying? Oh, we need to make as much out of it as we can right now because soon it's going to be turned off and we won't be able to make anything. Possibly that's the reason behind it. Uh, James, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? How are I'm you good. Keeping? Okay, could be my last call, so make the most of it. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going back to I said the typical rip-off Ireland. Um, a lot of the four courts out there, I, I'm on the road driving and... I passed two yesterday. One was 185 and one was 199 for diesel. I can't understand it. Six months ago, all four courts would have been one or two cents of a difference and people would be talking about it. But like, it's okay now for have 15 to 20 cents of a difference and no one is saying anything. I think some of the four courts out there are just trying to capitalize on people. And or maybe the maybe they order at different times or something, no? They all are, but what happens before this war, what, they all order it the same way, and how come there wasn't a, that, that type of difference all the time? It's just now there's a difference. Um, I know the government can reduce the excess in VAT, but like the four courts, they said... I don't think you can no, touch the VAT. They're, I'm being no, told... The VAT is EU controlled. I don't know about that. I mean, we we could re- we have reduced VAT in the past, like so. Could be done. But there doesn't seem to be anybody like with the four courts. There's no no one overwatching them because they're hiking the prices up like fifteen cents of a difference. Just think back now a year ago, if you thought there was fifteen cents of a difference, people would be talking about it crazy. Because there's usually only one or two cents you'll find. you say, oh, that's two, two cents cheaper or something. But like 15 to 20 cents of a difference and people are just saying, okay, Dublin during the week, there was already up to two euro. And that was before it even came out to Cork. But I just feel it was the same during the COVID lockdown, Neil. We had shops that were selling bottles of dental for eight euro and the wipes were gone ridiculous and antibacterial hand sanitizer was, was 15 euro a bottle. It's like we have crisis, but it feels that sometimes there's a lot of the companies out there that are trying to capitalize on people, which is very unfair. You have a woman there on about her son has autism and she's trying to drive 1,000 kilometers. Like, these shops, we, we are supporting them all the time. We're going, no, we've no choice. But... I think it's very unfair that there's, they're, they're, they're hiking it as soon as possible. Um, like 15 to 20 cents of a difference between, like how come one, you're saying they could be ordered different, but if that's the case, they've always been ordered but, different. But, but would it not be fair to say that those gaps of 15 or 20 cents, they've all closed now, that it, it, I, I'm not out there, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually gr- looking, I'm parked up outside the garage down in Middleton here in the land. It's gone up, uh, it's 189 no, at the moment. That's okay. still 10 cents, if not more, cheaper than anywhere else around the place. I, I drove into Carrigline yesterday, and there's a Maxwell before you commit to Carrigline, and then there's a second Maxwell. There's two different Maxwells in Carrigline. There was seven cents of a difference between the two different Maxwells. They're the same, they're, they're, they're franchise, I understand, but there was seven cents of a difference. If they're a franchise Maxwell, they're all ordering it from the same place. And do we know, is there any controls on petrol stations with regards to how I they... I think at the moment there's no controls because if there was, there's no way they could hike the price up the way they're, they're doing it and getting away with it. And what's wrong is that everybody's focusing about the government reducing the price, which is right, but people are forgetting the four courts are they're trying to make as much as possible they can as well, which is unfair because the normal Joe Soap out there is trying to get to work. They're using their car for work or picking children up and it's costing a fortune to do it. It is. And I think it's very unfair when you have no choice. And it is, going. it is, it is. But let's not forget as well before we go for the morning that domestic users of home heating oil are finding that 500 litres 
where was that number I had this morning? I can't find it. Oh yeah, here it is. That for 500 litres, they were paying around 400 euro. They're now paying close to 800 euro in the matter of a couple of months, according to the Irish Times. And that's why home heating oil now, when you order it, the amount that you can order is capped because of demand. And they say that demand will outstrip supply. But are they, O'Neill, or is it just another excuse for them to ensure that people are ordering a certain amount to cover their costs for the driver delivering, as one woman said earlier on? Like, you have to understand, all of a sudden, the, the, the pumps are still going, the, the pipes are still going, and I heard what you said there about, about the Americans, the threat. But, like, this is a great opportunity to say, OK, you, if you're, they know people, we're in the middle of winter, have to order oil. You have no choice but to order a minimum of 350 and they're setting the price as well. You have not, in a week, it's gone up a euro in some places, for like, or 70 cents. Again, is people asking who's regulating this? Like, is, why is it going up to no one? Well, they, 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 an Irish politician, or indeed an Irish business, would probably say, this is the international markets we're talking about. The UK are going through the same, France, Germany. It's out of our control. Yeah, but I just think if it's all of our control, Grand Neil, but I just don't understand. The, the only thing we control is excise duty. A one twenty six from every litre of petrol goes to the government. We, we have control over that. Yeah, but we also have control over the fact that if you have the four courts out there, if it was controlled in a proper manner, they'd all be selling at the same rate, same but they're rate. not. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's the yeah. reality of it. They're not yeah. selling at the same rate. Okay, my man, I'm out of time, but thanks for your text. Appreciate it. You can text 0868104106. Thank you, James. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 um, and uh, we'll pick it up in the morning. Your GoFundMe continues. It'd be good to be able to double it from 10 to 20 grand. Get the money to the Red Cross if you want to be part of that. Casey's gave me 10 grand. The idea is to double it. Just go for a Google search and go fund me. Uh, look for Cork Ukraine Appeal and you'll find us and give what you can, but only if you can. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.